I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. And from now until the draft, we are turning our feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show to talk all things draft with me, Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. Check us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and search the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. We didn't have a ton of candy at the movies when I was growing up. Obviously, we had popcorn, then we had some of the basics, but I remember instantly gravitating toward the Twizzlers. And then ever since then, you know, you grow up, then you have kids. Guess what kids love? Twizzlers. No matter what the situation, Twizzlers is the perfect candy to relieve your boredom. While other candy can be too sweet and overpowering, Twizzlers is the perfect level of sweetness and comes in the perfect chewy twist that everyone knows and loves. So get your hands on some Twizzlers today. The Rewatchables is brought to you by The Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find the big picture with Sean Fennessy. And maybe you'll find him on the New York, New York podcast with John Jastrzemski. Maybe. We're also with Chris Ryan, host of the uh, one of the hosts of the Philly special. Oh, yeah. That's right. Is that your only pod? What else are you doing? I'm also doing uh, the Succession Precaps on the Prestige TV podcast. Oh, good. So I'm glad wow. you're doing some pop they, culture finally. They let you do that? <laughs> wow. Shocking. That's great. Uh, my name is Bill Simmons. Coming up, a CR selection. Oh! Alien is next. All right, so I'm on Delta, flying back from the Masters. No free ads, though. No free ads? They had 600 movies on, and it's like a four and a half hour flight, and I'm like, this is this will be good. I'll, I'll make myself useful. I'll do a rewatchables, like, scouting mission. So I started sending CR some titles. I'm like, CR, you pick the movie. Here, I threw in the car keys. <laughs> it was like the Trent Dilfer story about Mark Sanchez. Yeah. Throw these guys the car keys, Mark Sanchez will grab them. So I threw CR the car keys and I sent him like 11 titles. And he reminded me his dream was to to do Alien yeah. on the rewatch. Can we, what, what were among the 11 titles though? I don't know. We're saving them for later. You I won't even good. mention I, them. I feel good. I think the feed can last like another four months. Great. As I went through the <laughs> Delta Library, I was I was actually got reinvigorated. <laughs> See, the our last rewatchables goes up on draft night. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy goes to Wendy simultaneously. So why this movie? Why do you love this movie so much, CR? Oh, man. So it's just a perfect horror movie, a perfect work movie, and a perfect sci-fi movie. And uh, to steal something that the producer and, and co-writer David Geiler said about it, it's a B-movie done as an A-movie. Mm. So it's basically like a really cool genre movie that could have been, not bullshit, but it would have just been like, oh, that was a cool sci-fi movie or that was a cool, cool horror flick. And then they get this guy, Ridley Scott, to direct it coming off of his first film. 
And they get this incredible cast, including the star of the film. You didn't want to give the duelists a plug? You just yeah, skipped right over that? I just, it's not, we're not you don't doing, want to talk 1801 France? You want to do rewatchable? Oh, look who did his research. <laughs> that was a long flight. Research, that's a good movie. <laughs> Great movie. And uh, yeah, so it's like, what if you made a B movie as an, as, a, as an A movie, as an art movie almost? Sean? I love it too. I definitely don't love it as much as Chris, but it is one of the most important movies of the 20th century for sure. I think it's a... Uh, it's the culmination of a generation of kids who watched mediocre genre movies hmm. applying incredible technology to A plus production. Yeah. 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 And all those weird sci fi movies from the fifties that were on when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. That were them, all terrible. It came from beyond outer space and all those movies. And, you know, Ridley talks about, you know, Everything that he pulled from that inspired him. Dan O'Bannon, one of the co-writers of the movie, talks about things he literally pulled out of EC Comics from the 50s. Um, but I think it's all—it's basically like the... It's the baby of the two most significant movies that came right before it. It's Jaws and it's Star Wars. And you take those two movies and you kind of smash them together. And you apply a slightly more... Like slightly grimier aesthetic and you get Alien. Here's the thing, though. If you start saying like what it's pulling from and what influenced it, you could talk for th- an hour. Because there's also an element of it that really Scott wanted to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. There's also the elements of it that obviously like Walter Hill and David Geiler were my guy sprinkling sprinkling a little bit of like 70s blue collar, like working class, like what let's make movies about real people kind of dust over this script because the people in this movie are essentially just like they're grunts, man. They're just like punting the clock every day and they're bringing back all this ore from a planet back to Earth. It's not like they're astronauts. They're not soldiers. They're not scientists, really. They're just like, hey, man, like they're space truckers, which is what, what they were they were always referred to. What year, like Game of Thrones was in the 1300s. Mm-hmm. What yeah, year yeah. are we in Alien? 87, I think. <laughs> you know? Right after uh, Mike Scott and Nolan Ryan kind of lead the Astros. Got so, it. I don't, okay. It's like 20... So we're a little bit ahead. It's 24. 50 something I think mm-hmm. and I, I I used to know the timeline better like the back of my hand but like it's science fiction used to work so much better before we kept moving along in the decades and realizing that some of this stuff is like oh that's never gonna happen yeah yeah like this like escape from New York's another good example it's like oh 18 years from now New York is a maximum security prison okay and then it was 1996. It's like 1997 is next year. <laughs> yeah, this isn't happening. We just passed the Blade Runner year, didn't we? We did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you have had some experience with hypersleep and all your experiments oh, with right. cryo. With cryo. So you, you know, some things that come seemed true. really resonated with me. In fact, I was I went online to see if I could <laughs> potentially get it. Um, we can, can we, I sleep for ten years? Can, so I was that like, I can my whole family about Bronny? Yeah, could the dogs? <laughs> Could the dogs sleep with us? Like, how does this work? Yeah. Do my dogs live longer? Um, so we love the 70s. We try to go back to the 70s every once in a while. To the chagrin of some people. I don't think with this one. Fuck Not them. with this yeah. one. Yeah, this is... Um, you start with 75. We already did Jaws. That creates basically the summer popcorn movie. And then 77 start. Rocky creates the sports movie in 76. Basically the modern sports movie. Did 70- you wear, is this method potting? Or are you wearing the I Star did, Wars I did shirt a little, to get I you in? I did an intentional yeah. Star Wars shirt. Star Wars 77. Hey, outer space. That looks cool. That becomes dominant. Halloween 78. And then Alien, which combines a bunch of these different things. But I was looking at the, the movies from 77 to 83 that had like aliens or outer space in it. 
77 had Star Wars and Close Encounters. They were number one and number three in box office. 78 had Superman, which I count as an alien movie. It is. Superman's a fucking alien. Another planet. Yeah, no yeah. question. That was number two. Alien in 79 was number five. Empire in 1980 was one. E.T. was one in 82. And then Jedi in 83 was mm-hmm. one. And then See, everybody's like, oh, aliens. And then that's just, they, they'll never stop making these now. You're a little bit older than us, and you, so you can remember this maybe a little bit better, but were you like enchanted by outer space? Like, was there something in the, no. in the ether that was like, we want to... Well, you're not a real sci-fi guy. No, I was more, It was. I think it was just the people I went to elementary school with who really got into Star Wars and some of this stuff. And I was like, I hate those guys. And <laughs> I, let, let's watch Rocky again. Did Rocky 2 is coming out soon. hate those guys more than you wound up hating guys like Troy from Reality Bites in No, that, then it would, took another level. Yeah. If Troy from Reality Bites had like Star Wars, <laughs> I definitely would have punched him in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, they they pitched this. The writers pitched it as Jaws in space. And then Ridley Scott tried to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. So we're already like mishmashing yeah. things that worked. And it feels like it's the perfect way to end 1979 in the 70s with like a Mad Libs awesome movie that yeah. then there's, creates... There's one other thing that I think circles the square for why the three of us probably really get this movie, which is 2001 being a huge influence on Ridley. And that being a movie that he saw and felt like, I have to make feature films. Like, what Kubrick accomplished, how he conceived the world. Like, he's kind of obsessed with that movie, even when he talks about Alien. And it really has a big ego, and he knows what he's accomplished in his career. But he still talks about Kubrick like there's really no one who was able to accomplish what he did. So if you take 2001, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Star Wars, Jaws you know, Francis Bacon, all this other stuff that you start to smash all of these things together and you can still make something that feels completely original. There's nothing else like Alien. Also, this movie has something in common with Escape from New York and Halloween and some of the other ones that we, like, genuinely love, The Warriors, that it's patient. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. It's that, that first hour takes man. an hour. It's a yeah. thinking movie. It makes you earn it, and even like at the end, which I think if they made like the last twenty minutes of this movie now, the alien would be chasing her around the spaceship. There would be way more thrills. She'd stumble over somebody's dead body. They don't do it that way. It's it's actually like more scary that she's just running around the spaceship, and we don't really see anything. No, no. But if that almost makes it scary, it's like at Halloween we don't see Myers. You know, he doesn't actually kill somebody for over an hour, but that's kind of what makes it scary. And like Pauline Kale wrote about this movie, she wasn't a huge fan. She was also like 1980 losing, losing, losing the grip on the steering wheel a tiny bit. She was starting to get mad at where movies were going and was starting to drift in her stuff. But she kinda said, like you know, honestly true. You're kind of like your Kale face. I'm souring. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm also a bad writer. So I don't, <laughs> I don't even have Kale's gifts. You're a really good writer and your Russell Westbrook piece will live on for the rest Thank of you, our Bill. lives. Thank you. And I everybody else's that. life. Paul and Kale wrote, thanks for that. <laughs> Audiences have been so corrupted by television and have become so jaded that all they want are noisy thrills and dumb jokes and images that move along in an undermanding way so they can sit and react at the simplest motor level. Such a if we, interesting read of the movie that I feel like I would have thought she would have loved this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this uh, has so many things that she. Well, some liked. of those reviews that you you see from her, and even just of the time, it's like, boy, if you guys had known what had happened after this, you would have looked back on this movie and been like, this is like a stone cold classic. You know, if you knew what you had to sit through now, I don't think that she would have been 
so flippant about it and talking about it being like just engaging your motor skills and stuff. Well, wasn't that that's one of the biggest legacies of this movie is everybody kind of missed it. It, it was, was like a, it was like a draft pick where nobody realized. You know, oh my God, how did Giannis go 13th? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that this was. The you New York know. Times was mixed. All the trades were mixed on this movie. Roger Ebert gave it like a soft positive review that he later revised, which we can talk about. He did. He, I watched it. He, it was definitely an enthusiastic thumbs Siskel up. Siskel didn't like it that much, right? He was more like, yeah, it's it was a good a haunted house. Movie real miss for Siskel. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't get it. And then Ebert, I don't know about the, the Ebert, it's our guy, Raj. But in 2003, he rewrote his review, basically. He's like, four stars. Oh, yeah. Like, I want to start doing that with some of my basketball Went back draft and misses. changed the mock draft. It's like, Dwight Howard, <laughs> I knew it all along. <laughs> I knew he should have gone over a Mecca yeah. for. I don't understand that concept of the retroactive review, but... I think it's hard because everything that he writes is so crystallized now that he's no longer with us. And it feels like he's the first person that a lot of people turn to to look at what they wrote. But I think that there's something powerful about rethinking how you feel, revisiting. I mean, no we, question. We, we That's revisit, what we do in the rewatchables. You know, I, I just did with He Got Game. Yeah. It's a movie I didn't really like that much for 12 years, and now I really like it. Yeah. I don't know what changed. And I, th I think part of what the point that Chris just made about if Pauline Kael could go back and look at what came after Alien is also true for something like He Got Game, where it's like we had 25 years of basketball culture to then put He Got Game into context of. Alien is the same thing. It's like there had really never been science, fi science fiction executed with this level of intensity and craft before. Like, this is really the pinnacle of the form yeah. in this very specific mode. At the time, when, you don't, when you've never seen something before, yeah. you don't, almost don't know what to make of it. You don't know how to process it. And it, it requires a little more bravery to be like, this is a classic or it connected with me emotionally. Like, like Take Hunter 1. <laughs> That's right. But if you very see it in the, in the context of the trilogy, it makes <laughs> right. more sense. Now, but I actually, I'm joking, but... N being a kid, probably, if I'm being honest, I might have seen Aliens first, you know, like when I was growing up. And seeing Alien in the context of all the Alien movies makes a lot more sense than it would have if they were like, oh, I got to go see this this Alien movie at three o'clock for a screening to write a daily, like a weekly review or whatever. And you're just like, what the fuck am I watching? You know, I mean, I'm sure you could recognize the craft involved, but you might just be like, that that was deplorable. You know what I mean? Like that person just gets chased around and gets like, everybody gets their skulls punctured by a set of jaws coming out of the, the wall. Like it's crazy. I told CR, I was like nine when this movie came out. I didn't see in the theater. We used to have WHT, which I've mentioned before, which was like an HBO box that it was a box. They just showed movies. You hooked it up to your TV and I would turn it on and you, you had no idea what movie was going to be on. One time I turned it on and Halloween was on. We talked about that during the Halloween yeah. thing, but they were in the kitchen making a pumpkin. I was like, ah, oh, that's the scariest thing ever. <laughs> get it off. The other time I turned it on, that movie didn't get ruined, but Alien did get ruined because I turned it on and I was watching and they were eating at the table. And then all of a sudden John Hurt is on the table and a fucking alien's coming out of his stomach. And I didn't know if it was the middle of the movie, the end of the movie, mm. what was happening. And I, I was, uh, and I didn't watch it for another like three, four years after that. And I always thought that was the ending. <laughs> and then when I watched it again before, um, like a year before Aliens, because Aliens 2 got so, or it's Aliens or it's just Aliens. Aliens. Yeah, just is, Aliens. Is the, is the it started getting buzz like, you know. It was Cameron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. About like Coming nine, 10 months before. So yeah. I remember Alien was on and watching it and being like, oh my God. This movie's amazing. Yeah. Um, what What did WHT stand for? 
it was an East Coast thing. I never heard yeah. of it. TBS kind of or like it, a, it was like HBO. Um, but you plugged it in. You plugged it in. Interesting. And you would flip it over from what you're uh, Oh, like you would have thing. to like basically do a different source. Oh, okay. HBO was like that too. And my dad and I had HBO in the late 70s. It was the same thing. You turned it. They had they would send like a little guide. So you'd go through the guide and be like, oh, hmm, interesting. They're playing the China syndrome tonight. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was that was kind of the pre-cable thing. So anyway, the aliens too felt so much bigger. Um for so many different reasons. Sigourney Weaver was a way bigger star when Aliens yeah. came out. Because um, Ghostbusters had already happened. That's why we should talk about Sigourney in the context of this movie. And this is basically her first movie, even though it's her second. Mm -hmm. It's the first movie anyone had ever seen. She's amazing in this movie. Yeah. Like, fucking amazing. I don't even... Charlize, could, young Charlize, I feel like could have maybe done it. And she's in Prometheus. I mean, like it was, you know, Rid Ridley Scott cast. Yeah, Shirley. I'm just talking yeah. like early career. No, I, yeah. ne I need some size. I need to feel like you got to be like five nine, five ten range. There's Who not, else? There's not really ever been an actress like her in the history of Hollywood. I mean, she's was forever known as the only woman that could open an action film. Um, and I guess Charlize is kind of has mm -hmm. broken that rule at this point. And Angelina did um, it too yeah, for a little for a while. while there. Yeah. Um, before she started. But for three decades, she had that reputation. And she also was a classically trained theater actor. That's so, the thing. She was like Meryl was Streep in, you know, Gina Carano's body yeah. almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she projects this incredible intelligence that I think helps that character feel like the person that you're most rooting for or most invested in because she's the one who's like, how are you guys not seeing how stupid yeah, all of this is? But it's yeah. like, it's so interesting how they set it up because obviously, I think that normally you would just be like, Tom Skerritt's the star of this movie, right? Because he's the captain. Then they spend a lot of time with Yafet Koto and Harry Dean Stanton, both of whom were pretty recognizable faces. My fucking guy. And those Yafet Koto. Yafet is the, is the man. He's and the then... Man. Is this going to upset me? No. <laughs> oh. no. <laughs> Midnight run. <laughs> Ah, uh, Mosley, <laughs> Agent Mosley, uh, and then there's and then there's all the John Hurt stuff where it's like you think like maybe he's going to be the main focal point of the movie, and it really only emerges after Hurt's character dies that it's actually a movie about Ripley, yeah. and maybe not even until the third act. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of this great sort of three card Monty game that R Ridley's playing, where it's like you yeah. never really know who you're supposed to be focusing on. And one of the reasons this movie is so rewatchable is there's so many ensemble scenes where you can see almost everybody in the cast is in a scene. Yeah. So you're just kind of like, oh yeah, well, I got to see where this person's coming from. Or Veronica Cartwright is kind of having the reaction that I would have if I was doing, this was happening. You know, like it, it has like a real like democratic way of telling the story. It has a 30 minute Easter egg things you didn't notice YouTube clip. The rule is if you can get over like 25 minutes in your movie <laughs> with a YouTube breakdown of things you might not have noticed. Like The Shining is like seven hours. Yeah. Eyes Wide Shut is like seven days. If yeah. you watch it and you just start on YouTube and then it's seven days go by. But, uh, but, but the algorithm is real interesting after that seven day <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut run. True. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on here, but I I watched it twice in six days. And I, hadn't, I told Chris, I hadn't probably watched it in like 10, 11 years, something like that. And I was just so blown away by how good she was. Not nominated, obviously. They, they, nobody's getting nominated. 
um, from an acting standpoint from a movie like this in 1979. It wasn't happening. Or until 2022. I mean, they don't, they never nominated science fiction films. So do you remember at all, like, as we've talked about with some of these classics, but especially with the the horror movies that we've done, these kind of like the the most startling scenes or the scenes that everybody's talking about afterwards, right? Do you remember people talking about the cane scene? Oh, yeah. The chest burster scene? Well, there was like the OG scenes, right? It's the horse in the bed. It was the chainsaw in the shower and Scarface. Um, There's Reagan's head turning around in Exorcist. Yeah, the guy from Scanners, even though nobody saw Scanners, but everybody knew that his head blew up in Scanners. But I don't know if anyone actually watched the movie. Um, Shining, Scatman, Crothers dying. But this is probably, I would say, way, way up there. What's interesting, though, in the, in the context of what the movie meant to that generation, I had no idea. I was a kid. Um, to me, it just was lumped into all the other movies that I thought were cool, right? It was like Halloween, Escape from New York, this movie, The Thing. Yeah. You know, it's just, they all kind of felt like they achieved the same level of success and Cool, gritty impact. genre movies that were mainstream. Yeah, I, di- I didn't understand at all, like, oh, the, we're starting this Ridley Scott run now, yeah. and <laughs> Sigourney Weaver is about to become one of the most important actresses of the 80s, or actors, either mm-hmm. either side, like... None of that stuff. It was just like, whoa, that was cool. And that guy, that thing came out of that guy's stomach and it was scary and she got away. Um, but yeah, it launched this amazing career for her. Although yeah. Dave is still my favorite Sigourney Weaver yeah. movie. I mean, you know, she's, she's exceptional. She fixed the budget Dave. in 10 minutes in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> she has only a handful of filmmakers that she works with, though. When you look at her career, really, it's. It's a lot of Ivan Reitman. It's a lot of Ridley Scott. It's James a lot Cameron. of James Cameron. You know, yeah. and she's made a lot of other different kinds of films over the, over the years. But she has a handful of standbys who she shows up for, and she's just really well suited to these like very intellectual, strong minded women who you very don't want to fuck with. Yeah. You know, very like she's 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 in control. Her next movie after this is a movie that I think we all really. I know Sean and I like. I don't know if Sierra and I have talked about, it, but Eyewitness. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, which is probably a movie we wouldn't do in the rewatchables because I, I think it would rank them on the least watch. But it's just basically two really great performances and kind of a cool premise. Is William Hurt's first movie? Yeah. first movie, yeah. Um, but when she's in Ghostbusters, Alien had enough steam at that point that the casting of putting her in Ghostbusters was seemed kind of crazy. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, the lady from Alien's going to be in Ghostbusters, and then she was good in that. And once she was good in that, that it was it was a wrap for her. The Ridley Scott piece, he follows Alien up with Blade Runner three years later, which, you know, I had no idea about the dialogue of that movie. I was 12 or 13 or that point, but that it belatedly became this argued about. It was a classic. Why didn't it do better? Um, we've and it's never like done you can it argue that his vision of the future is pretty formative for like me and Sean's generation because by the time we start watching movies, those two, those Alien and Blade Runner are considered like basically the two pinnacles of sci-fi outside, you know. And it like did see the future. If you watch Blade Runner now with <laughs> telephone, you know, video telephone calls and images on screens everywhere and the kind of like darkness of modern contemporary life. Climate like, disaster, yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's just a movie that sees the future in addition to being a kind of beautiful, I think Airplane 2 predicted yeah. the FaceTiming. <laughs> Is that an Airplane 2? Yeah. Wow. They're talking to each other. You're things. saying Ridley jacked from I think he fucking Zucker stole Abram from Airplane 2. Okay. I do. Wow. Um, yeah, Blade Runner, I had no idea that all that dialogue was going because just knowing barely anything, it just seemed like the movie failed because it didn't make a lot of money. And then people talked about how it was this good movie that failed. It's like Heaven's Gate. 
It had it had a couple of things too going for it that I think led to this like a lot of contemporary discourse about like was Harrison Ford's character actually a replicant or not? That that was like it was kind of the pre Reddit. Yeah. Debating like what was the intent of the movie. And then there were like all of these different cuts of the movie that revealed yeah. different is there truths a vo- about the movie. supposed to be there. Yeah. Or not? Alien yeah. has a similar thing where there's a director's cut of Alien that is now like superseded the original cut. And there's like some things that get taken out and some things that get added. Scott is like one of those directors who's constantly kind of tinkering yeah. with what he does. Yeah. CR, I watched the original on the Delta. Uh huh. Again, not a plug for Delta. It was just the airline I was on. Then I said, the, that sounded suspiciously like a plug for Delta. <laughs> well, because uh, they the, had the original on an airplane, and then I watched the director's cut on Amazon this week. The director's cut is unquestionably better. It moves faster. Yes. Um, it The first 40 minutes does not seem nearly as slow, and it just was like a crisper movie. And he, he talks about it in some of the research. He's like, I made the movie better. Like, why can't I do that? We had a limited budget. Yeah. I had, there were choices I had to make that we didn't have the money to... Well, I think the, the right original, choice. like the when he was done, it was a, running at about three hours. He gets it down to a little under two, mm-hmm. right? And then the stuff that he did in the director's cut, typically, like when he did his director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven, which is a movie that when it was theatrically out didn't get appreciated very much, but since then has kind of had like this cult following and its director's cut. That's like four hours long. That's like an epic movie. So usually I associate director's cuts with adding, but he actually trimmed a lot in the Alien director's cut and added a couple of really crucial moments. He said it was a lot of like pacing and just things being slower than they should have been. I forget, is Lambert hitting Ripley in the director's cut? In the director's cut. And then the dude, and and then you see Dallas again, right? Yeah. Okay. All this stuff's on YouTube too, which we'll talk about later. So when did you see it though? The director's cut or the Just the the movie, because Bill said, you know, he saw it on on WHT. I kind of can't remember. I think it was actually one of the few movies that my parents were trying to keep from me a little bit because of the chest bursting scene. So I huh. think I was aware of it, but I if I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was like after Aliens. And I was like, is there another alien movie? And they're like, yeah, but it's even scarier than that one. Mm. The chest scene did become a thing that I knew about as a kid. I mean, is that um, like an SNL sketch sketch or something? Like that seems like it would have been, you know, in Spaceballs. Well, space it's, it's recreated well, in Spaceballs because there were stories about people passing in the theater. The same thing as Exorcist, yeah. which all that did was make, you know, teenagers and people like that be like, "What? Yeah. Oh, I got to see that movie." Um, our guy John Hurt, I'm gonna call him an A-lister. He pumps out Alien, Elephant Man, and Heaven's Gate in like 18 months here. And Alpha Man was a big movie. Like, I unfortunately saw Alpha Man in the theater with the Simmons family. I still blame my dad. Unfortunately? Yeah, I was 10. I didn't want to see the fucking <laughs> Alpha Man. It's not a lot of laughs. It's tough, yeah. You didn't feel empathy for John Merrick's pain? I'm not an animal! <laughs> um, wasn't what I was looking for at age 10. I was yeah. like, can we, what about that Caddyshack movie we saw? Um, but he had a nice little run there. Yeah. And he's, he's really good in this movie. An incredible actor and, 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 were it not for another actor getting finding out he was diabetic, John Hurt would not have been yeah. this movie. Yeah, my guy. He, he had we'd gone to South Africa to make Zulu Dawn, mm-hmm. and then didn't make Zulu Dawn, and then came back. It's like it's hard to imagine the chestburster scene with a different actor. My guy Yafakoto, he was the villain in a Bond movie, Live and Let Die. Kananga. He makes four of these movies. Alien, Midnight Run, Brubaker, and The Running Man. Like that's it. <laughs> Brubaker rewatchables when. I fucking love Brubaker. <laughs> Brubaker invented the slow clap, yeah. as you guys know. One of the all-time greats. He also did Blue Collar, one of my favorite movies of all time, yeah. the Paul Schrader movie. And oh, he's all, yeah, you're right. And he's also uh, 
I mean, to me, he's always the lieutenant from Homicide. Yeah. Well, so I have that as the last act for him because he made a bunch of good movies, but was also an era where there weren't a ton of black guy parts. So he is, as he's in these awesome movies, he's he's on Fantasy Island. He's on the A-Team. He's on Hill Street Blues. He's a Murder, She Wrote, just doing one-offs. He was a staple. And yeah. grabbing different things. And then finally a homicide happens. And then that's how everybody knows him. Yeah. I know him as Midnight Run Guy and Alien Guy. Yeah. I mean, really, Midnight Run guy. I fucking love yeah, Mosley. Mosley. This is an iconic character. character. Why are you guys whispering like you're about I to just, fuck? I just love really Mosley. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Um, so this movie was written by Dan O'Bannon based on a story by O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. And they shopped it for a while. Mm -hmm. Nobody bit. And then Star Wars made $700 gazillion. And people were like, let's make that Alien movie. And then we were off. It won an Academy Award, which I don't think I knew or I'd forgotten. Visual for effects. For best visual effects. Not bad. How about this? $11 million budget made $184 million. And that's one of those final box office numbers that you might as well multiply by like yeah. 12. It was the fifth biggest movie in 1979 when we had no internet, no video games yet. So yeah. that's like a, a real giant number. Ebert... We should talk about why that happened, too. That's an interesting thing to me. Let's do it. Because, you know, there were, it's another one of those movies where there were lines around the block, but the movie had mediocre reviews and no stars. It has one of the greatest trailers in the history of trailers. Yeah, that's in Which, it's, which Age of Best. I had that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is like, I don't, you couldn't watch that trailer and not want to see that movie that if you trailer, like movies like that. For one thing, it is just like, that's what the Prometheus trailer is. Like, he, make, he redoes that trailer, like, in 2015 or whenever that movie comes out but that trailer is literally rhythmically every trailer now like any thriller any horror movie any like a shot of somebody with their eyes wide yeah. and, and quick cutting like yeah. like some sound effect that's like yeah. it's like every fucking trailer is that The Shining as you know is my favorite trailer ever The Elevator it, it cribs it cribs Alien a tiny bit and the soundtracks of the movies the electronic. There's one yeah. part where it's like, whoa, is that the, the, the Shining Steel from yeah, that? Yeah, the synthy, like, yeah, the Jerry Goldsmith score. Yeah. Ebert in the, on the TV show said it was one of the scariest old-fashioned space operas I can remember as he praised the movie. But then in his four-star review in 2003, he said Alien has been called the most influential of modern action pictures, and so it is, although Halloween also belongs on the list. Unfortunately, the films that influenced studied its thrills, but not its thinking what we said earlier. We've now descended into a bog of gotcha movies in which various horrible beings spring on a series of victims, usually teenagers. Not inaccurate. Yeah, it's way more patient. I, do, do you think it, space opera is an accurate no, description it's not, of the movie? No, that sounds like kind of Star Wars fatigue yeah. at the time. And it's just like, a, we're going to have to sit through a lot of these, aren't we? It has a couple of kind of beautiful exterior shots of space and ships moving through space and then there's the big space jockey sequence that is kind of like a space opera moment but aside from that it's like it's a chamber drama it's like Agatha yeah. Christie movie you wouldn't know that they're in space for 75% of yeah. the movie yeah it's like they're just trapped half of me wants to throw to a break and half of me wants Chris to just jump on the table on his back and, go, <laughs> and start writhing around <laughs> just start spinning up but let's throw to a break This episode is supported by State Farm. Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, oh, why did this happen? On the flip side, let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car. Get in there and it smells great and you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really the only words you need to remember 
or like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring comes with a lot of chores because, you know, spring cleaning. One thing you can clean up right away, your phone bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. They have unlimited talk, text, data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. $15 a month. That's like you can subscribe to two movie channels for that. I mean, what a great deal. Also, super easy to switch plans. Everyone gets so intimidated by, oh, my God, I don't know if I should switch my plan. It's not that hard. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's us. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $50 a month for a first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, most rewatchable scene. I tried to limit this. I like watching them wake up. Yeah. I just think it's fucking cool. I don't know what it is about it, but it, it just takes your brain to some places. And you're just like, how long were they asleep? What's going on? How many people are in there? Yeah. Why? How do you wake up? It just it leaves you with more questions than answers. The music that plays over yeah. that sequence too is draws you in. so perfect that when they wake up my first rewatchable is the first meal together is I have that too is they're not like well we've been asleep for 10 months and soon we'll be back on earth where I live in Houston and I can't wait to see my wife it's like <laughs> dude I want more money pass the cornbread three I people like have shit. coffee pots yeah it's just like everybody is just groggy and they're just having normal conversations oh yeah right I just forgot something man uh, before we dock I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right, right baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation has never been on a, an equitable level. Well, you get what you contracted for like everybody else. Yes, but everybody else uh, gets more than us. Oh, mother wants to talk to you. Uh, yes, uh, you know, lights from my eyes only. I don't know how much coffee I would need if I was asleep for eight months, but I think they would. I would just have my mouth open as they poured the pot down my throat. It's it's been said too that you know like Robert Altman movies are a big influence on this movie, and that the characters are kind of constantly talking yeah. over each other. It feels like you're in a room with guys who just woke up. It's you know? it's a really good scene, even the way they set the table where you can kind of see everybody and they're bouncing around. Also, when you go back to this scene after knowing what happens. When you watch the Ash. interactions, especially with Ash, but even with like, you know, even with uh, Parker and Ripley, who are like antagonists from a lot of the movie, but then wind up being kind of like on the same team towards the end of it. It's just, it's it's so awesome to see him like lay the groundwork for like the eventual sort of the decline. We see Ash going for the milk. Oh, yeah. It's like, hmm. Next one I have. <laughs> Wait, let's let's go back. What is it? What What do you think that means? Well, I don't think he drinks milk because it replenishes his milk-like blood. Is that what you're implying? Or he's not really eating. 
Yes. He does. They show him going for food a couple of times, though. Going for that weird cereal But I think it's like when my mom pretends she's eating, but she's really just having another glass of red <laughs> wine. It's, same, it's very similar to that. Does she listen to this? No. She's not going to listen to Alien? No. Okay. I, you she, should send it to her and say that you did, we did Sideways again and, just get, <laughs> and make her listen to this. Um, I have the uh, next one. Like, I have, Your dad took you to Elephant Man? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. He'll, he'll actually, he'll remember. Um, the next one I have is, I just wrote down, trying to, trying to find out where the alien went, jumps on Kane's face. I don't know if you remember that part yeah. when the alien comes flying out and attaches himself. Do I remember to the it? Mask. Egg? I don't know if you remember that yeah. part. <laughs> yeah, it's memorable. I think the the getting the SOS, deciding to land on the planetoid. I'm out. I'm like, we're fucking going. <laughs> yeah, but and that you know that entire set piece, seeing the space jockey and then arriving at the eggs, is yeah. is that is in a. And that's Very the, short list of the HR, greatest sequences in movie history. HR, HR Geiger stuff starts, and you're just like, oh, like some some dude smoked opium and made this. This is amazing. I actually am more amazed, knowing what else was released in the late '70s, how realistic the spaceship and some of the space stuff looks. It actually doesn't make sense. It's so brilliant. Like, we, I mean, I, we could talk about this for an hour and a half. There's also like several documentaries made about right. Alien, but there's one that's called Be- Behind the Giant. Mm-hmm. It's like three hours long. It's on YouTube. What he did to create this sort of movie and what this world where he's like builds the face of a planet in a warehouse in England and has sand shipped in for two hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, and he's like going and buying scrap metal at like old World War II bomber graveyards so that he can build spaceships and. And he's making his vagina alien faces but, out of yeah. like shredded condoms. He was like Ridley Scott was like, I need a. I want to make this ship feel big, so we're going to build a 58-foot landing gear and then have children standing next to it so that it can seem even bigger. And it's like, the fuck does that? Who the fuck yeah. even thinks of that? That's he's Kubrick and him. I of. predict big things for him. Yeah. Oh, no, they already happened. He's, but like, he's an industrial artist, right? He's got, got to start doing commercials yep. and wants to do everything on a grand scale. Little Fincher. So, very, yeah. very, very mechanical in the same way. Chris, what's your move if you're... In a dark spaceship with a bunch of alien pod eggs, mm-hmm. and there's some movement in one of them. Is it just watching it open up and peering over it? But and, isn't that the and, best thing? Is like the different reactions people have to like whether they should open the door, whether they should freeze yeah. it, whether like Ash should try to get it off. What like everything is like a little bit of a personality test. And I think Kane was an explorer, and Kane was like a curious person, and he's like, this is. We've just come in t- contact with organic life on another planet. I'm not going to run away from it. We know that because we know what happens. Yeah. But there's something really kind of fascinating. I I like how you ducked the question. What would you do? Sierra's <laughs> running. He's running in the yeah. other direction. It would be like Deshaun Jackson at the Miracle of the Meadowlands. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a block! Fucking <laughs> <laughs> out of there. CR's pulling his Achilles like James Harden three weeks ago. <laughs> Come on, this is going up Monday. Don't jinx this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like the Eddie Murphy, the routine he did about the Amityville Horror House if black people were at Amityville Horror and they get in. Oh, this seems like a great place. Get out. All right, too bad. Can't stay. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Everybody would react to that situation differently. Yeah. I would be like, there's movement. So long, everybody. Let's get the fuck out of here because there's we're surrounded by eggs and one of them's moving. We're out. 
I mean, you couldn't pay me enough money to spend three years on a spaceship bringing ore back to Earth. Like, forget about yeah. going down on what the planet. What if there was TV? Yeah, what if you had the entire <laughs> criteria? What, what if there's <laughs> the extra... Closet. If it had the extra innings no. on the Nostromo. Extra innings no, package and all the criteria and movies. Can you imagine your letterbox? What kind of numbers you'd be putting up? Yeah, but it, I wouldn't have you guys, you yeah. know? I wouldn't I wouldn't be yeah, able to do this show with you. Brett and Lambert. <laughs> If there was, if we woke up from that eight hour sleep, eight, eight months sleep, and there was one pot of coffee, I think I would actually fight everybody else. <laughs> yeah. You'd, you'd get I would you'd hit, slash throats. You yeah, drop face huggers. There'd on only everybody. be one yeah. person left. The dinner scene. Yeah. The answer for most rewatchable scene of the movie. I have a lot of questions about this scene that we'll, I'll be sharing in, uh, in when we pick some nits later. But this scene's incredible. And there's two times in this movie. One is when he peers over the alien and the thing jumps on his face and we just immediately cut to the next scene. Then this one, it's really tight. Like, it, you don't think, I think in the wrong hands, they're just milking this for three minutes and the guy's on the table. Like, ah, ah. And this one, the thing comes out, everyone's horrified. Yep. Because in real life, they had no idea they were going to all be splattered by blood. And then it just kind of moves on. Also, within a minute, he's getting just sent out in his fucking space funeral and it's done. Yeah. So you wanted a little more pomp and circumstance or no, Kane's death? No, I like how they did it. Yeah. It's like kind of scarier and more effective. Yeah. That whole movie is like cold and efficient and just propulsive going forward. What do we do next? We got to get this body out. We got to find this alien. That's Now we're on the mission to find the monster in the house. Good usage rate. Next one, Harry Dean bites the dust. Mm. Your guy. I mean, we, when are we going to start talking about this cat? That's my question. I mean, we can do it now. <laughs> It's just it's an unbelievable run of weird movies <laughs> and weird choices and weird casting. Yeah. He's also in like Pretty in Pink. Right. He's oh, no, in, I was talking about just the idea of like going around looking for this cat in the situation. Oh, do you want to do this now? We can do it. We can save it. But that's, Let's save it because it it's part of my that hottest That's take. how Brett goes out. Yeah. And I like cats. You yeah. know, you should, I feel like Harry Dean is one of your, your spirit animals. Well, I mean, the, the, his inclusion in this movie is just, I, him him telling Ridley Scott, I don't like monster movies and I don't like space movies. And Ridley Scott's like, you're perfect then. And he is. He is. Can you imagine this movie without those two guys being like, oh, we don't get paid enough money. Oh, like we, we deserve our own share. We got to fix this. We got to fix that. It's so awesome when they're like, how long is it going to take? And he's just like, 18 hours. He's like, yeah, 25 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fakoto started the player empowerment era in this That's movie. Right. Yeah. He really tried to <laughs> yeah. play into it quickly. More money, less work. Harry Dean Stanton. Avenge me! <laughs> Red Dawn, have you seen that one, Craig? No. God damn it. <laughs> Just can't get the under 30s to care about the Cold War. They will. You know what I mean? Yeah, they will. When it, when the Cold War circles back. <laughs> when, when Putin rises? <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one I have Putin is, shows up in Colorado. You maybe wish you'll have seen what Red Dawn. That's you a good point. Saying? Yeah, and take some notes when you're watching it, too. <laughs> Dallas bites it. I have Ash versus Ripley, which is a fucking insane scene. Mm -hmm. Ash? 
the door. That might be my second favorite scene in the movie because Ash was always a little off and you're like, is this guy a bad actor? What's going on with Ash? It's like, oh, he's actually a replicant. Yeah. And he's... He's, he bleeds milk. They have a series of interactions because she's, you know, we're, we slowly see her not trusting him, you know, them letting him back into the pod bay. Yeah. Him never having outside, answers. He doesn't really respond to her questions. She's kind of challenging his authority. He's challenging hers. Then culminating in like, like one of the great reveals of the movie that apparently was not in the movie originally. Yeah. And then also like very perverted. You know, like a really perverted scene, not only because of like milk spring anywhere, everywhere, but him trying to shove the jamming a long object her, yeah. down her mouth. Really, is the best. Should we talk about uh, all the sexual perversion of the film? I mean, it's like it is the defining trait, really. Oh, uh, we could do it now. I mean, every critical action sequence is basically a commentary on rape, <laughs> and yeah. the way that the alien attacks is rape. The chest bursting is the vision of male rape. Like it's all the whole movie. It's kind of in all the and H.R. Giger, side, like all like, of his art is yeah. obsessed with constantly showing penetration and being attacked by sex and, you know, the idea that Phallic like... head kind of... Yeah, yeah, the alien's head is a giant dick. Like, it's all... And then the entire, like, well, nest of the alien faces is a vagina. Like a, a giant tropical womb, you know? And, I mean, Veronica Cartwright talked about this. She was like, it was like obvious and it definitely had an impact on... Well, like, they doubted it back in the last scene when Sigourney Weaver is wearing boys <laughs> six and under <laughs> underpants... <laughs> That was one of Craig's lingering questions. What's going on with her underwear? I don't understand that at all. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what size that was. I'm but that, out I mean, that's also question. super purposeful to be like leering at her when she's stripped down to her clothes the way that the alien is leering at her. And she's like, all of a sudden, this incredibly powerful woman is also like exposed and weirdly like an object of desire in these final moments. Like, all and that a vessel so purposeful. For, for, for life. Like that alien probably looks at like all these people as like, this is like, I'm going to gestate. You right. Know? Procreate. Yeah. Exactly. Ash versus Ripley. There's like five favorite moments. One is when he, when, which we mentioned when he's just trying to basically choke her to death for some reason with this long thing. It's weird. When I think he's a rolled up a magazine. And he's yeah. shoving yeah. it down her throat. When Yafakoto comes in the first time, it's like, oh, he's going to stop it. And then, Ash just like puts his hand on his chest. It's like it's a like, pressure point. Ah! <laughs> yeah, the pressure. Just, yeah, it was Shades of Mola Ram from yeah. Temple of Doom. You right. Know? <laughs> I love that. And then it's just the most unexpected, oh, that guy's head just came off yeah. moment. <laughs> and weird shit's coming out. And then, oh, but he's not actually dead because we're going to talk to him as his head lies next to his robot carcass. That movie, that scene is fucking insane. So you don't know this, but I, Sean and I have been talking with uh, Daniel Eck a lot about like a, like, like a succession plan. But yeah, we want yeah, you yeah. to know, no matter what happens to you in the coming years, we're going to save your head <laughs> so that we can plug it in and you can just be like covered in milk and being like, like Bill. He says no. Bill. <laughs> the Picasso of the trade machine. Bill, where's trade young going? Yeah. <laughs> what I coast? promise not to aggregate it, Bill. <laughs> uh, next one I have is Ripley looks for Jones. Alien kills the other Who's two. Who's going to buy the Hornets, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos <laughs> you have my sympathies <laughs> the uh 
Ripley looking for Jones the cat and the alien killing the other two. And then Ripley escapes and ends up in Sets She didn't escape. The and, alien's yeah. still there. And um, she's got to figure this thing out pretty fast. Most rewatchable chest burst? Mm -hmm. Has to be. I have Ash, honorable mention. Ash going heel. And it's getting his head knocked off? The whole, the whole thing. Him trying to kill Ripley. Just a great heel turn by him. He needed like entrance music after that. I think an underrated one is uh, Dallas's death. Yeah. The pursuit through the tunnels and the sort of like the tracker yeah. and, and getting confused about where the alien is, which I think James Cameron, that seems to be the most inspiring scene to James Cameron because then Aliens is just like 90 minutes of that. Yeah. But um, I think the Dallas scene is actually my favorite scene in the movie, but it is it is not the like most rewatchable scene for Dallas. What's age the best? Anytime in any movie where astronauts have to go on some planet or territory they found in their spacesuits and they hop out of the thing and start walking around, I'm always in. And I'm not even really a sci-fi guy. I just really enjoy it. The opening graphic, which... With the letters turning? Yeah, well, I took a screenshot of it. Hold on. When they, when they tell us, like in the beginning, commercial towing vehicle, the Nostromo, crew, seven... Cargo, refinery processing 20 million, 20 billion tons of mineral ore, course, returning to Earth. We're good. Thanks. That took three seconds. Thank you. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Thank you for not throwing in the five minute scene and explaining that to me. Yeah. It's a lean and mean movie. Like, like Chris was saying, you know, there's no like, I'm from this town or any of that stuff. It's no pomp and circumstance. It's just, whoops, they brought an alien onto a ship. It's going to kill them. That's the whole movie. <laughs> 70s spaceship designs and special effects. It feels 70s, but it still feels modern. Well, it's like, like retro futurism. It. Yeah. Right. And it's it's all rollerballs like this too. Yeah. It's all tactile. It's all like the buttons push. And it's it's interesting because I think that they did know. I mean, these are all incredibly perceptive people. We're like, yeah, like it's all gonna go to flat screen, kind of like it, we, they knew where technology was sort of headed, but they wanted it to feel like rather than being cutting edge technology, this was like a trucker. This is what like a trucker would have if they were in space. Like it's not the newest shit. It's kind of used. It's kind of beat up. It's a little dirty. I like this seventies version of what the future was going to look like the most. Whereas basically, like people kind of wore costumes as clothes, yeah. and you had FaceTime, and you could smoke indoors. You could smoke <laughs> anywhere you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny though if one of these movies were like. <laughs> We're like Dallas, Dallas, what are you doing? Smoking. Yeah. No, Dallas is like, I'm just watching videos. The guys get kicked in the balls, and that was like the future. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a car crash Instagram. It's amazing. Well, yeah. one thing that distinguishes this though is uh, most of those '70s science fiction movies. Star Wars is actually more like Alien than a lot of these other movies, but like Logan's yeah. Run or the movies like that. It's a lot of bright colors. Everyone has perfect posture. If you look at the Star Trek movies, the early Star Trek movies, there's something kind of antiseptic about everything. Yeah. And Alien is the exact opposite of that. It's extremely dirty. Oh, and God. Used. Those people, for the entirety of the movie, the entire cast looks like they just woke up from being asleep for 10 months. Yeah. The haircuts that, like, Veronica Cartwright especially is like, that's somebody who basically shaved their head to go on this mission. And now it's like growing out kind of funky. You know what I mean? As she's been in, asleep for 10 months. John Hurt probably still looks like, you know what I mean? Like, last time I saw him, he looked, looked the same way, where it's yeah. like giant bags Like he'd been drinking with Richard Harris all yeah, night. Yeah, exactly. The 
the breath must be just <laughs> unbelievable in, on that spaceship. Sm- smokes come in. Just- you got cigs, coffee, and a 10-month morning breath. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing we couldn't see it. Um, young Sigourney, I have what's age the best. Sending a dead body out to space in an air coffin pod. Enjoyed that. That's how you want to go? Just in general. <laughs> no, he's... We're going to have his detached head. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be Ash. <laughs> One more Super Bowl for Pat Mahomes. FanDuel, supercharge this, please. <laughs> Plus 220. <laughs> uh, Belichick would never have done this. <laughs> Can't believe we traded down. <laughs> um. Uh, what's age the best my guy Walter Hill just seen him in the credits of anything yeah, what yeah. a fucking run the legend he in some ways it kind of feels like he is the critical figure in kind of saving the direction of the movie because if it's the O'Bannon and, and uh, Shuset movie it's hard sci-fi mm-hmm. and that's it you know and it's and they, you know, it might have been a Roger Corman movie yeah, but yeah. it might have been I mean I think what when we do these pods, we often and just kind of like throw all the authorship on the director. And sometimes that's really fun and that's also probably right. But this is an example where like, I think if you take out Geiger or you take out Hill or even if you take out O'Bannon or if you take out Sigourney or you take out any number of people and obviously Ridley is the most important, but it's just not the same movie. Yeah. And if it's not the same movie, you kind of wonder what happens for the next 40 years after it. Ridley Scott said... You don't show the monster too many times because you'll get used to him and you'll never want to get used to him ever. That's always been my thesis. The best screening room in the world is the space between your ears, which is your brain. Thanks, Ridley. So it's learning to tap into the human brain and show just so much. Let the brain do a lot of the work. That's where you start to tap into people's anxieties. That whole quote's what's aged the best. They should fucking mail that to every young horror and action movie director under 30. Yeah. Like, just read this once a day. He... He breaks his own rules, though. In some of his other movies, he doesn't really abide by that. You know, like, he's made other Alien movies now. And yeah. I really like Alien Resurrection. Prometheus. No, I, I love Prometheus. Prometheus, I think, is, like, borderline masterpiece. But I really like Alien Covenant. Yeah. But it is, like, a rip-roaring, aggressively violent, digitally shot CGI fest. Like, it's yeah. the opposite of everything that he's preaching there. It's, like, the chestburster scene in Covenant is ridiculous it's like it's shot in the dark but it's made done with cgi he breaks all of his own rules because he's also like a he's like a technocrat fetishist like he wants to also be at the forefront of technology while also thinking about the artistic choices There's of a director just, like this was just a time in movie history where like you could take eight and a half million dollars and make a movie like this but you had to you had to hide some stuff and i don't think they were i mean there i think when lambert and uh and parker get killed it's kind of awkward because you can't really tell where they are. Or who. Mm-hmm. I think it's supposed to be like the alien is standing in front or sh- Lambert's in front of the alien and that's why Parker can't light it on fire or something. But it's like very awkward because I don't. I think he was like, I don't have it. Like it's yeah. herky-jerky because I can't show this thing because it, it'll take people out of the movie if they see that it's not, you know, that it's not, it, it, it's not up to sn- par with everything else. If we were on first take when Sean was doing his Ridley Scott thing, the graphic underneath would have said, Ridley Scott, hypocrite? Are we we sure he's good? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, This is my favorite What's Age the Best. I'll save it. What do you have for What's Age the Best? And I'll do mine last. Uh, Me? Yeah, we did. What other? Yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, like, it's kind of a pretty funny movie in the first hour. And I I love that Kane's first line is, I feel dead. (laughs) Uh, 
a lot of the biblical illusion stuff that really kind of resonates once you've seen Prometheus, but like Ash calling the alien Cain's son and things like that are really, you know, the deep mythology of it, the idea of like creationism and and what, where what, where do we come from and where do they come from and why are they there is really cool. And then Ash as just like this iteration on, on Hal from 2001 and this idea that there's like this corporate presence in the form of this robot or computer or whatever. That's what I was going to say. There, there's the Wayland yutani insinuation, but not explanation, that there is a corporation that, you know, Cameron, you know, goes further with this and all the other future films take it much further with kind of talking about the corporate influence on science, basically, which is like such a resonant thing yeah. we've been living through for the last 10 years. Um, and also, there, there's some like, something very unusual happened with this movie and it's understanding in the public eye which is a lot of the phrases and words that they used on the set were adopted by the public. Like, the, we don't ever hear the f- words face hugger or chest burster. In the movie. In the movie. But those words were used on the set when they were making the movie. And now when we talk about the movie, we use those words. And I don't know how that happened. That's actually quite fascinating that the, I guess the filmmakers just saying it enough in all yeah. of these documentaries and interviews Everyone just agreed that this is the terminology we should use, which is super interesting. I'll tell you one thing: face her, face hugger, and chest chest burster. Mm-hmm. Two of the worst porn searches ever. <laughs> I just don't search for those. <laughs> um, yeah, that's your. Is that your Pornhub tab? <laughs> face hugger. Chris is like ah, one more time. Chest burster. Um, all right, my what's age the best favorite one? Veronica Cartwright's. What is happening? Face, <laughs> which she also unleashes in one of my favorites, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. A movie that I think I might be the only one who really loves. There might be like three others. Nah, absolutely but, not. Okay. That, that movie is amazing. That's also like Adam Neiman's like favorite movie of all time. Oh, the really? Phil Kaufman, yeah. Invasion yeah. So, of the Body yeah. Snatchers. Yeah. Could we do that for rewatchables then? I, and I think we wouldn't question. get heckled? No, I think people love that movie. They think it's great. There have been like nine Invasion of the Body Snatchers movies at this point, which is kind of a problem, but I think that's the best one. She spends... Half of that movie with the same face she has when the chest come when the oh, alien comes no. out of the chest, yeah. yeah. and at the end, Donald Sutherland, she's like, "Hey, hey," and he's like, <laughs> "Does that thing? That'll be social media now." The the best thing I've ever created in my entire life is a letterbox list. I'm going to tell you about it right now. It's called Veronica Cartwright freaks out in an O'Tourist nightmare. There are five entries: Alien. The Birds. She's yeah. eight years old in The Birds, freaking out. Oh, wow. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The Witches of Eastwick, in which she huh. is married to someone that has a freak out. And Inserts, which is a 70, crazy 70s movie. But she's was the number one pr- draft pick for Do You Need to Scream at the Top of Your Lungs and Be Horrified in the Sequence at that time? Inserts was Margot Kidder? No. Uh, no, it's uh, Jessica Harper and Richard Dreyfuss. She's also in a great oh, yeah. uh, Law & Order SVU where she's like Terry Schiavo's mom. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also an O'Taurus nightmare. Yeah. Last what stage the best is just uh, this movie gave birth to Aliens 2 and a whole giant franchise, but especially Aliens 2. It's an incredibly important 80s movie. Yeah. I feel like uh, it was one of the first in the conversation of is the sequel better than the original? Mm -hmm. It just, it started a lot of film nerd stuff that I was starting to become aware of. Um, That's your, that's your, you prefer Aliens to Alien? I go back and forth. I go back and forth. Like, I think that their Aliens is, like, a more fun watch and, like, has more, like, 
Like it's got Paxton and it's got Michael Bean and it's got Vasquez and stuff. It feels more, yeah, it feels like really severe 80s. But There's I think some it's a little too elements. long sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Me too. I think the alien is far scarier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Kid Cuddy Pursuit of Happiness Award for Best Needle Drop. I don't really have one. I mean, it's the Jerry Goldsmith music is really good. Yeah, but I guess there's it's no, hard to pick one. I was, um, I was disappointed that they didn't. I guess Scarrett's listened to some some classical on the deck. I had Sigourney singing Oh, Lucky Star. Lucky Star at the end. Oh, that's good. Okay. Big Kahuna Burger Award, best use of food and drink. I, I guess it has to be the dinner scene, right? Or the breakfast scene? What do you think? This is going to be an unanswerable question. Is this, what's Kane's last bite? Is that coleslaw? Oh, it looks so gross. Yeah. Like, what's he... I thought maybe it was lo mein. Looks like, think, yeah, mung beans. L- looks bad. Looks gross. Yeah. Don't know. Don't know the answer. You guys want to get lunch? <laughs> <laughs> the Den of Thieves Benny Han Award for scene-stealing location. I got to say, for me, it's the sleeping pod room. Mm, the all that white. room was amazing. The yeah. all white just feels very seventies version of what future is, and you don't know what's going on. It's fucking weird. I, I like it. I think it's the refinery where where Brett gets it, where the chains oh. and like the water dripping okay. down. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck is this place? You Why know? is that on the ship? Yeah. yeah, I like the space jockey big set piece that oh, yeah. they were calling the Cecil B. DeMille shot when they were making the movie. Is that what you want to get your ADU looking like at this certain point? It kind of does. Yeah. You know, I have one of those pods where I strap in and I put my mask on and then that's how I watch all my films. CR, what's the Great Shack Order Award for you? I'm just giving this to you. You know, I, I'm clearing I, out, we, setting it, a pick. It could be a thousand different little bits from like when they're walking across the face of the planet and there's so many great handheld moments that I love the the tracking shots and they, when they're all eating together. But I have the slow motion them waking up and the dissolve to Kane's face, you know? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's just like a At really... At the very beginning. Yeah, it's yeah. just like a I really, really like, like that what scene. is happening, man? This is like... And it does feel like you're watching a nightmare start, mm-hmm. you know? The Butch's Girlfriend Award for Weak Link of the Film, I think is what you mentioned before about they didn't have quite enough money to pull off some of the action stuff in the best possible way. And they are, they were on enough of a time crunch that I think like if they did something and it was like, well, that's that's pretty good if we went and reshot it, it would be like the Ash scene apparently is like a really good example of like them be like, that was pretty good. The latex didn't look great, but like we can't reshoot that. So let's right. like, keep it moving. Like there's three characters left and two of them die basically in the same scene and it's not that good of a scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should, that should just have been like an Although incredible scene. I do fucking scene. love the shot when the shadow comes up on Lambert. Yeah, no, that, yeah. All right. Um, what's age the worst? I mean, smoking inside a spaceship. Sierra and I love smoking indoors in movies, but the spaceship might be even where I would draw the line. I mean, they might have really good ventilation that you never know. It could be like a casino in Vegas. Like four of them are lighting it up. Ash is because he's smoke. a replicant robot. Yeah, that's right. He's like, he's Ash like, smoke? yeah, I had no. Him. But it'd be cool if everybody was like, Ash, you want to merit? And he's just like, <laughs> he's uh, like, nah, I had a spot on my lung yeah, ten years you know, ago. Pacemaker. Yeah, I need to cut down on the coffee. When will you guys start smoking during the rewatchables recordings? Oh, uh, wh- what do you think is a movie that does like we should smoke during? Maybe, maybe the re re reheat. Mm-hmm. The 400th episode. Okay. We'll just that'll be the smoking. <laughs> we'll try to smoke as we do it. <laughs> Joe, you guys and Joe Camel will be hosting that episode. <laughs> What's age the worst? This could be a nitpick too, but I'm putting it here. The uh, Kane starts choking 
he's just been in a coma because an alien jumped on his face. <laughs> and then he comes out of it. And in a cut, they're like, whoa, that was scary. He's like, yeah. Oh. You guys want to have some dinner? Eats dinner for five minutes and starts like really choking. None of them are that alarmed. That's not true. They're like, oh, he's choking. None of them are like, well, it's it, why is he choking? It's distorted because Yafet Koto is trying to make a joke through the, he's like, the food doesn't taste that bad. Right. right. That's what I mean. There's a much deeper knit to pick about that, though. Which is like we I had it later, but we can do it now. Why the fuck are they in the why same are room? Why are they spending them? time with him? Yeah, <laughs> put that guy in his own area. Yes, he should be quarantined. Let's I give like, this a okay, couple so more weeks. No offense. Would be this is the first time this has ever happened in human history. Is the interaction with like an alien cool. life form, and they're like, "Well, like I'm glad cool. we're going to wake this out." Hair bear. It was like a stingray spider I, stuck to I his face. You. And you know what? Look who doesn't move at all when he starts choking. Ash, right. Mm. Ash is like sitting there and then he's like, this is serious and he gets up, but he also stops Parker from going after the alien when it bursts out of his chest. Like every step of the way, Ash basically fucks them up when it comes to like freezing it, getting rid of it, it's keeping Kane in quarantine, killing it when it comes out of his chest. He does like, how's Sean doing since the alien jumped on his face and he went in coma for three days? He's good. No, we're going to get some Is lunch. he ready to yeah. do rewatchables? <laughs> we're going to do it on Zoom. Yeah. Sean's going to stay in the, in the glass chamber for two more weeks to make sure there's not an alien inside him. How many COVID pods did you record? Oh, a lot. How many? Probably like five, six or seven. You've recorded some COVID pods. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did too. What does that have to do with? They were all done in quarantine. We were never Fair. we were never face to face. That sucked. I never really enjoyed that era of the rewatchables that much. I just it was way I more just, fun in person. I just meant when when we were actually sick. Oh yeah. I just would leave him in his own room. I'm sorry. Sorry, Kane. Yeah. It's been it's I, been fun hanging. I've really enjoyed our time on the ship, but <laughs> um we've all decided you're gonna be in that room over there and we're gonna lock the fucking door. I completely agree. I don't. I wouldn't want to spend. And also, was Kane like? Was he such a such a great hang? They needed to rebond with him. I think Lambert really liked Kane. That's that's a later, Kane did seem like a conversation. He seemed like a glue guy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody everybody got Kane. Felt a little Alex yeah. Caruso-y. <laughs> didn't care about his own stats. Fires out a fires up a Dunhill, and he's just yeah. like, who wants to get some some coleslaw? You know? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, what stage the worst? That I don't. I just don't like that this is online. Um, with the deleted scene where. Ripley at the end, she's running around and Dallas and Brett are in an alien cocoon. And so then she torches the entire cocoon. You hate that for Viper. I just wish that they should destroy that on the YouTube. I don't like seeing scenes that actually make me rethink what the movie was. I like deleted scenes, but not like Boogie Nights we talked about. Like those deleted scenes were really additive and fun and we wish some of them. That one is like, all right, they're in a fucking alien cocoon. Now I'm in a completely different movie. Hmm. Like, what's going on with the alien cocoon? So then what would have happened? And that, that, it takes me down a rabbit hole. So to piggyback off of that, my What's Age of the Worst is Ridley Scott's original planned ending, which is the alien rips Ripley's head off. Yeah. And then presses some buttons to start the ship to go back to Earth. Or whatever, to go get picked up by another ship. And I was like... What? <laughs> it's just like a very conventional kind and, of sci-fi, yeah. you know, dun-dun-dun. Um What's great about this franchise is, is that it has that satisfying conclusion with Ripley 
but then it still manages to convince you that the story has to go on in, mm-hmm. the, in the sequels. Like, it's, yeah. it still gives you the satisfying experience without feeling like, well, get ready for the sequel. You know, like yeah. the movies never feel like and that. And they, they did such a great job of conceiving of what would have brought people back out there and, like, the the greediness or, like, the, you know, the capitalism and, and behind Whaling yutani being like, we need to start colonizing these places. Mm. Any other would say the worst? I mean, the cat. Save it. Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half-price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it. All that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Vital Farms keeping it bull free. We always wanted our kids as they were growing up to have stuff that came from the right places. Vital Farms is perfect for this. Here's how good Vital Farms is. You can go to vitalfarms.com slash farm and you can get a 360 degree peek at the actual farm where your eggs came from. Uh, It's a certified B corporation. They are devoted to improving the lives of people, animals, and the planet through food. Great taste. You can do fried, poached, scrambled. Vital Farms bet... You can taste the difference. Food simply tastes better when you know where it came from. Shop the farm that's a certified bee corporation and gives their hens the lifestyle they deserve. Vital Farms. Look for the black Vital Farms carton in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms. Keeping it bullshit free. Ron Burgundy flew to work. Best time for a pee break. Probably as they're getting off the spaceship to jump on the planet, you could probably run and... P one out and you're not missing much for about ninety seconds. P one out, yeah. yeah you pee one out. Is that a is that a phrase? Or you could just pee. Pee out like a face hugger. <laughs> pee, pee out your face hugger, your chest buster. Just check face buster, face hugger on Pornhub. Um, <laughs> pee, pee, check P one out. It's a good porn search. Oh yeah. So you're saying when they first land on the planet? Yeah, it's it's slow. Yeah. Just okay. Hop on there. Uh, was there a better title hop for this there? movie? Fuck no. No, Alien is one of the great. Alien and Jaws, I'm just like, got it. So they originally called it Star Beast. Yeah. <laughs> that not, sucks. Yeah. Star Beast. That's very bad. Best quote, would you go with, I got you, son of a bitch? Or would you go, Ash saying, a perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. Ash. I like that one too. I admire its purity. Survival. I'm clouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. He's basically describing Philadelphia 76ers thing. <laughs> we did what we had to do to get him be the MVP. <laughs> and now we pay the cost. Uh, my other best quote is when uh, they're sitting around and Ripley says to 
to Brett. He says, whenever he says anything, you say, right, Brett. You know that? And he's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hottest take. Do you have one? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, the chestburster is the most rewatchable scene and is in some ways the most memorable and iconic moment in the scene. The Tom Skerritt scene is scarier. It is claustrophobic. It's in the dark. It's being Especially in a movie narrated by Veronica Cartwright. It's yeah. got the the dude 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 it's coming, it's coming. And the jump out is the scare is like probably like a top three or four jump scare for me. Move, get out of there. Because you see it's... Armed. Exorcist 3, number one? Yeah, the, the garden shears. <laughs> Fuck yes, Bill. Exorcist Speaking 3. Speaking of making you wait for it. I've never been more scared in a movie than Exorcist 3, which is a terrible movie for the most part. And then that one Patrick scene Ewing, happened. Apex Mountain, though. <laughs> my mom and my stepdad went to see the original Friday the 13th, and somebody was sitting right in front of them. And when Jason came out of the lake at the end... The guy jumped up and screamed, fuck no, and jumped over his seat. <laughs> I really wish I had been there for that. Oh my God. Um, you have a hottest take? I don't, I'm not sure if the rewatchables exist without this movie. Oh. Because I think Ridley getting, becoming Ridley leads to Tony becoming Tony, his brother. Yeah. yeah. And I, in some respect, we haven't done the most, like that many Ridley movies, but I think that they have a kind of patron saintage around the show. Well, you guys won't do someone to watch over me with me. What are you talking about? All right, you will? I, you will? I will do a 10-part podcast about Mimi Rogers if you want. That's Roger something. Ebert, like, shat on that movie in yeah. his 2003 Alien review. Yeah. Like, fucking hurt my feelings. My dad, feelings. Berenger, he appears in that Which film. Which really movie's unbelievable. It just has a bad ending. This. I think there's a lot on the board still to do. Black Hawk Down, I think, is a rewatchable. Um, we have a couple, because we Blade Runner is one of the ones we were saving. Oh, yeah. I think... The, the the bigger point is more like Ridley, as much as Steven Spielberg and a handful of other people, introduced this kind of like big tent, mainstream, sophisticated movie making that, um, you know, every five to seven years, he makes a movie in a slightly different genre. Sometimes it's Swords and Sandals. Sometimes it's Thelma and Louise. Sometimes it's yeah. a sci-fi movie. But he is like the master of the mega set piece. He's the, He makes so many... I was listening to... You and Brian Winhorst, and Winhorst made a Thelma and Louise reference. And I was like, that's like a 30-year-old movie. Yeah. And he's referencing the ending of that movie to make a comparison to the NBA. Like, he just, his stuff is just in the blood of movies now. And We edited so it at Winhorst's House of Gucci. Doing the like Jared three Lito. of those. That's yeah. too bad. Jared Lito yeah. Voice. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that, um, I think it's like, when, I, when, I, when you really think about it, it's about the, the details with him. And the fact that he storyboarded out this entire movie and essentially drew it and it was in his head. And then on the set was like constantly like adjusting a light or like the, what something looked like or the texture of something to the, sometimes the expense of working with the actors, which actually wound up working. It's just like when you, that's what makes a rewatchable movie is you can keep going back and be like, oh, I didn't notice that before. Or this is now I'm looking at the walls of the spaceship mm -hmm. and it's like, who thought of this? You know, who thought of like all the tubing against this? It's just, you know, it's what, it, what keeps you coming back. My Stephen A. Smith House Take Award. Craig, this is for you. I feel like you would do this if you were sitting here. Kill the fucking cat, A. B, movie cats are the fucking worst. They're the worst. Name three fun movie cats in a movie that have been in like an action, thriller, 
comedy, anything where you're like, oh, you know what really helped the movie? The cat. All the cat does. So you don't like cats the cat suck. in the movie at all? I think, no, I just don't like cats. Do you, what does the cat do in this movie? Just lures people to the alien? Yeah. It kind of seems like it's into what the alien's doing. It's like, oh, good kill, alien. <laughs> um, like, yeah. You're staring in the eyes. It's like, cool. Yeah. Loved how he ripped his chest out and pulled his head off. I think cats are creepy. I don't like them. I've never wanted a cat. Fuck cats. Okay. That's my hottest take. That's a very strong take. Thank you. You. We should definitely cut this out and share this on social media. Fuck cats. <laughs> Bill Simmons. I would also say... Name me the fun pop culture cat. What are the crucial cats? We have 700 million dogs. They make dog movies every fucking year. Yeah. They make three dog movies a year. We have Dog's Purpose... There's mo literally a movie called Marley Dog. And me. There's four yeah. John Wick movies based on the fact that they fucked with his dog. Where, what is the cat movie? The only person who likes cats is Mally Rubin, and that's it. Um, Can you imagine Mal as a member of the crew of the Nostromo and how, how she would be centered yeah. in Jonesy? Everyone else would have died, so fucking Jonesy could have lived two <laughs> more years and drank milk on the fucking table. But Mal does have some Ripley vibes, you know? She's, she really does. She's, she's very smart. Yeah. What know, about the cat in The Godfather? Pretty good. Yeah, so it's a prop. It's a prop that evil people pet. It's the pet. evil villain pet prop. Yeah, it's the Dr. Evil. Evil villain pet prop. Did, did you just Mr. Bigglesworth. I guess Mr. Bigglesworth is a good movie great cat. One. I like the one in... Um... So it's a prop for villains. Cats are great, which it, proves my point. My, cats it, suck. I think it's not consistent within the course of the movie where it's like, this is just a fucking cat that's hanging out on this spaceship for years. Yeah. And nobody in this, in this movie seems particularly like paternal about the cat. Like they're not mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm, I'll be the caretaker here. And then the cat sucks. End, Ripley is like, we've got to make sure Jonesy lives. I got to go yeah. back for this cat carrier. And that's crazy to me. She has seen this thing impregnate and burst through the cavities of multiple people. And she's like, yeah. I got to make sure this cat makes it into the cryo chamber. Also, how do you know the alien didn't jump into Jonesy? Yeah. And we're going to have a John Hurt situation. On the scale of, I can't believe this person is going back for their pet. It's this in the finals. Versus James Brolin in the Amityville Horror after they escape the yeah. house. Mm -hmm. Blood and like black sewage is just coming out of the walls. There's voices. The hell is in the basement. The gateway to hell is in the basement. He's seen it. And they're leaving and the kids are like, wait, you forgot Gus. And he's like, you're right. <laughs> Do we think there's a practical reason why the cat is there? Or is it just for their sanity? To I, think have it's for their, I think it's supposed to be like, this is nice. There's like a cat on board. Comfort. Yeah. I think there's also a storytelling reason why we see the cat alongside the alien, which is, you know, that they're both predators and animals and you're supposed to yeah. see this connection between them and that it's like a, a warning sign to Ripley not to worry about well, the cat. Well, the idea, you know? so is save the cat from this is like the concept of like you have somebody save the cat so that you... It like, must be. Okay. It must be. I dated a girl once who, who had a cat and I went down to get a drink because mm -hmm. her parents were gone and I was sleeping over her house and in the foyer, the cat had this mouse trapped in the corner and was crouched, and the mouse was terrified. And anytime the mouse tried to move, the cat was, it was just like absolute predator, apex predator mode. Uh -huh. And I'm like, cats are fucking crazy. Have you ever had a cat? No. No. I've had cats. I've had many cats. They're perfectly nice. Yeah, they're yeah. really normal. It's really yeah. fine. I Listen, just wouldn't take them to space with I'm, me. Yeah. I'm in hottest take mode right now. I'm yeah. not in actual mode. You I'm, sold I it. hate cats. Yeah. I, yeah, think, I think if you wanted to have the Stephen A versus Mad Dog moment, you needed to have you're, Mal you're on for Patrick this segment. You're Patrick Perkins right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a horrible joke. Patrick Perkins. Casting what ifs. 
So they wrote the entire cast. <laughs> they wrote the entire cast as men, but said the crew's unisex, all parts are interchangeable. Ripley was not female, which is, I think is just an amazing tidbit. Mm-hmm. They had no idea that, that Ridley was going to do that. Ridley was choosing between Sigourney Weaver and a kid, a classmate of hers from Yale, kid by the name of Meryl Streep. Mm. And what a Robiner. Weaver got the job because Streep was mourning the death of our guy, John Cazale. Mm. Mm. And that's how Sigourney Weaver ends up in Alien. Meryl Streep in this movie could have done it. Yeah, sure. it works. Could have done it. The, there's she a physicality. Maybe Thatcher, she can probably play Ripley. Yeah, I'm not betting against Meryl Streep in a movie role, she's, especially a good movie with a good director. She's not as physically imposing as Sigourney Weaver. Isn't Sigourney Weaver like five ten? Yeah, she's big. Meryl Streep seems like a more I think she average might even be height, like five eleven. Yeah, so that would be a difference. But I mean, what what can't Meryl Streep play? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't. It, it's it's hard to imagine it without Sigourney, but that's pretty close to what I would choose if I. It made me think like. 1975 Yale mm-hmm. and there's some girl that's like a junior who's really into acting it's like I think I have a chance in the school in yeah. the school play We're doing there's this great dream. part it's like good fucking luck who are you going against <laughs> I had Sigourney and Merrill but I think I have a shot and then that person um, dropped out of college <laughs> Harrison Ford turned down the role of Captain Dallas mm-hmm. how do we feel about this fine because he's in I because he's in Star Wars and Blade Runner and everything. It's not like Harrison Ford then went on to like shovel coal for the rest of his life. I think Tom Skerritt is good in this movie, but it is a better movie with Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford just improves the quality of acting and the tone and the interplay between you know that the, there was supposed to be this kind of love scene between yeah D- Dallas Dallas and Ripley. and Ripley and Sigourney and and Harrison Ford and Working Girl go on to kind of consummate that you know like they're they would have had chemistry which would have been interesting for the movie. Cart read read for Ripley, thought she was being cast as Ripley, showed up in London, and they were like, No, you're gonna be Lambert. Tough beat. Is that true? I mean, that's a fucking That was up in story all the research. True. Yeah, I, know, I read that too. And I was she like, said that she f- showed up in England assuming she was gonna play Ripley. So no one just no one told her? Yeah, or? it just got like fucked up and then she was like, I'm doing my wardrobe fitting and they're giving it me like Lambert's clothes. Ridley Scott was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it kind of plays into like, I don't think. I don't think Lambert and Ripley like each other that much <laughs> yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Your South Africa story. I, I, this is so crazy. It must be true. John Hurt said he was banned from South Africa when he went to film the movie because the country mistook him for John Hurd, who had been a strong opponent of apartheid and um, couldn't get in the country. So had to drop out of the movie. And then the other guy got diabetes and there you go. All of a sudden he's an alien. He was the first choice though. Yeah. You believe that story? I do. Okay. Yeah. There was a six foot ten Nigerian student who played the lead alien, Bolaji Badejo. Not didn't really go on anything else. Okay. I don't know where he was for Predator. Why they didn't like cue him up? Um. He the way that they describe it is that he has vanished. Yeah. <laughs> like the the research is like he was never heard from again. Yeah. Which is kind of suspicious. Yeah. That's weird. Maybe the fucking cat killed him. Yeah. Mm. Could Maybe be. just follow Jonesy off the edge of the world. What do you have for Ruffalo, Hannah, Rubinick, Partridge, overacting word? They knew, and they let it happen. Don't you call me lady. I come in here. I give these things to you. Give me all you got. This and Give me all you got. I treated you like a son. You fucking stabbed me in the heart. Fuck you.
Cartwright, although it's like, is it overacting when you get sprayed with a gallon of pig's blood? I don't know, but she fucking goes for it. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> well, there, but there's like there are reasons for that, right? Because the you know one Rip, Ridley doesn't share a lot, yeah. with them about what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Only John Hurt knows specifically how the mechanics of the chest bursting is going to work. But then even more so, it doesn't work. It just bursts forward. It pushes the shirt and spurts blood, but doesn't break through. So when she gets splattered, she doesn't really know what to expect. She doesn't know it's going to spray that hard. But then furthermore, they ca- capture more shocking reactions from the actors because they basically have to do it three different times. And yeah. then they cut together these three different attempts at the chest bursting that gives it this almost like psychedelic feeling yeah. of them experiencing that in real time. I mean, it's one of the like classic mistake that leads to greatness. It's so similar to Jaws where Bruce wouldn't work. And right. so they have to hold back from showing you Jaws. And yeah. it's always these like lucky moments that lead to iconic sequences. Best that guy word. It's got to be in home, right? I just knew him as Ash. Yeah, I mean, there's seven people in this movie, so it's kind of hard to. I mean, they were all pretty well known actors. I mean, Ian Holm yeah. goes on to be in the fucking Hobbit, so it's like, right, it's tough, you know. Yeah, Dion Waiters. Is it I mean, hurt? Is hurt Dion? I I mean, our guy Yaffa really dials it up a but couple hurts, times. Hurt only is in. Oh, yeah, you're right. So it's like Yafet is essentially the second lead of the movie in some ways. Maybe the ward doesn't exist. There's only seven characters. It's a tough one. I think it's hard to give out because all all these people are well-known. Definitely not Jonesy. Recasting Couch. You were talking about Tom Skerritt. I can kind of put that in my back pocket. What about our guy Jim Kahn? A.K.A. James Kahn. A.K.A. Big Time Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) As as Dallas? Yeah. I like that. It's better, right? I think, it's a better movie. I think Behringer is also in the mix there. Is he too young, though? Probably. I would say it's got to be somebody who's around the Tom Skerritt age. The thing with Skerritt, I like Tom Skerritt. Unbelievable in Top Gun. Awesome in Top Gun. Poison Ivy, a little, little not, maybe not as good. Steel Magnolias? Yeah, he's Skerritt. he's had good moments. That movie, need that part needs a bigger 70s star. Burt Reynolds is too big. Our guy Jimmy Kahn's right around the... I'm just imagining Dallas turning to Ripley and saying, let's cut the mini moves and the bullshit and get on with this big romance. <laughs> you have your hands in my pocket. half I started research. Sigourney's salary for Alien Resurrection was more than the entire cost of Alien. Um, conceptual artist Ron Cobb came up with the idea that the alien should bleed acid. Forgot to put that on what stage the best. It was a great idea. Great idea. Also perfectly executed. The one shot of the acid burning through. Yeah. That's, it's genius. I like when somebody's like, don't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't planning on it. And they (laughs) use that to such a great effect in the second one because it's always spraying on people and shit. They borrowed the blue laser. <laughs> they borrowed the blue laser lights from the alien ship's egg chamber this from the Who. Fine. Yeah, they were rehearsing like next door. That would be pretty cool. Shepperton, you just walk in. Ridley Scott's making alien in one room, and the fucking Who were rehearsing in the other room. Wow, <laughs> great day. What's seventy nine? Is that like who's next? What what era is that? I don't. There, I think they were like getting ready for. When did Keith Moon die? Oh, it's right around then. He basically had the same thing that Kane died from. 
<laughs> face hugging chest bursting alien yeah i think that's how he died i think it was alcoholism actually i think he was doing a concert and an alien jumped out of his chest in the form of a jack daniels bottle keith, keith moon died in 78 so maybe it was their first wow. tour without him uh the director's cut has lambert slapping ripley it's, it's cool too like there's a they, they did it a bunch of times and sigourney kept ducking the punch so like ridley just had veronica cartwright hit her with the other from like the left oh because he's like she's gonna duck it so hit her a different way and he she just like completely connects right and you can see sigourney be like what the fuck and go after her right like ollie and and foreman she's and the like, even merrill didn't do this yeah, yeah. In junior year um i this was in all the research that ridley scott told yafet koto to annoy sigourney weaver off yeah. camera mm-hmm. That's always a weird director thing that pops up in Mind some games? of the research where they're like, I don't much. like my yeah. cast members to like each other. I don't think they do that anymore. Only yeah. Jeremy Strong does We've that We've really heard about that happening since like Fincher doing Zodiac and making those guys like piss in jars and stuff like that. But like, I think it's pretty much like shut down. If you're, if you're doing that to people, people will just be like, I'm going to do a Twitter thread about how you're a tyrant. Jesse Armstrong to Jeremy Strong, like act like a fucking asshole at all times. <laughs> Even when we're not filming. He's like, done. I don't think he needs to be asked to do it. (laughs) He's like, you didn't even have a task. You mentioned the uh, chest chest bursting scene was a multiple taker. To get Jones the cat to react fearfully to the descending alien, they put a German shepherd between him with a screen and then remove the screen. So this cat's not even that good of an actor. It needs like another prop to fucking motivate it. Yeah. (laughs) Ash's android head was made out of a combination of milk, caviar, pasta, and glass marbles. Hmm. And then um, to John Hurt, he stuck his head, shoulder, and arms through a hole in the mess table and then linked up with a mechanical torso that had a bunch of animal guts. And it worked really well and didn't smell great. And the cast was horrified. And apparently, yeah, Koda was fucked up by it for a couple hours. My favorite internet research bit is uh, when they have Lambert and Kane and Dallas walking around in the spacesuits. Like, there was no oxygen. Yeah, really. they're just passing so out. So they're just, like, passing out. And yeah. they're like, really, what the fuck, man? Like, these we're, we're, like, passing out every time we do a shot. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had medics then, with oxygen. Finally, he does a take because he wants, like, for scale, he puts his two kids uh, in the spacesuits and they pass out. And he's like, well, we got to do something about this. This is terrible. The 70s were unbelievable. Yeah. The dead face hugger was made out of oysters, a sheep kidney, and fresh shellfish. Sounds delicious. Four different cats played Jones. They needed four cats to yeah. do that. They needed four cats to so ruin So just so I'm clear, your take is they should all be killed? And we should be able to see that. He doesn't imagery. like the cats. I just think that at a certain point, it's beyond belief that she's like the crucial thing here. Before I self-destruct the ship, or once the clock is ticking, is that I'm going back for this cat. Uh, it's a it's a, a thematic idea that the whole franchise comes back to with Sigourney and Newt, and then Sigourney's relationship to the Winona Ryder character in the fourth film, Sigourney's relationship to the prisoners on three. Like, yeah. she is like an empathetic figure who's constantly trying to save the innocents. And yeah. that's like one of the reasons why the audience connects to her. The problem is, is that if you don't care about cats, it just doesn't work. And right. if you're not a cat guy, so. I'm a dog guy and I even dogs, I would have been like, just get in the fucking pod. Or it's like supposed or, to depict the flaw in humans. Like that's the difference between the alien and Sigourney. The empathy, exactly. You know? Mm. Um, speaking of flaws, Ridley took some shit for the underwear stuff, including from our guy, Big Jim Cameron, 
who said, I hated that scene when I saw it. I vowed if I became a director, I would never make women shoot scenes like that again. Just a fucking blowhard at all times. <laughs> never passing up a chance to be a huge blowhard. <laughs> well, hold on. Uh, Here's a chance for me to be moral superior to Ridley Scott. I'm just going to take it. Yeah. Fucking I, asshole. He's, he, he's right. It's just he's a blowhard. Uh, I mean, yes and no, too. Like, it's not like he didn't shoot Kate Winslet in the nude in Titanic. It's not like right. he's like has a moral opposition to Kate's sexiness. got her hand up against the fucking yeah. window yeah. in the he's car. Like, but God forbid I put somebody in underwear before they get into cryosleep. What a blowhard. I think it's I think it's very, very uh defensible, in part because of what I was saying before about like how she becomes like more vulnerable when she does her clothes off. Yeah. I think like the what her underwear is. Is it's there's some debate to be had there. She definitely could have just been wearing like shorts. In the, in that the yeah. fine. long history Boxers. of objectifying women on screen in the 1970s, I, I, I find fine. this to be like a misdemeanor. It's not but, top 20. Yeah. <laughs> Director's cut came about because they discovered a hundred boxes of footage in a London vault in the early 2000s. They're gonna do that with this pod. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sean mentioned some of the rape stuff and all the sexual perversity of this movie. And if you want to go down that rabbit hole, people listening, it is plentiful. Yeah. There's a lot of hours to be spent. So many texts written about this. You can find a lot. Oh, I like this one. Um, They found Sigourney Weaver because Walter Hill and somebody else were watching Mad Men and they liked it. So they scouted it. And then they were impressed by Michael Beck, who was also the lead of Mad Men. And that led to Walter Hill, my guy, being like, let's get that guy in the words. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. He's going to play Swan. Bring him in. What what Walter Hill movies have we we've done? The Warriors. 48 Hours. 48 Hours. Anything else? Does there need to be anything else? We dial up Southern Cross. If you ever want to. He did 48 Hours in The Warriors in the span of three years. Should we do Streets of Fire? It's a That's great a bad one. movie. I can't long, defend long, that Another 48 no Hours way, is tough. Tough Man, watch. tough. Fat Eddie's tough in that movie. Yeah. Just what about uh, Last Man Standing? Oh, the Bruce Willis one. Yeah, his Kurosawa remake yeah. with Bruce Willis shooting up a town. Apex Mountain, Sigourney's Aliens Two, right? Post Ghostbusters, yeah, then Aliens Two. Girl. Come on, yeah. It doesn't get bigger than that for her. Yeah, mid eighties, I think. Yeah, John Hurt's probably Elephant Man coming off Alien. Mm-hmm. He was nominated for an Oscar, right? Harry Dean Stanton. I think that's. What do you got? Well. I was going to say, I guess, Paris, Texas, but Paris, Texas is like, no, it's not like that's like a popular film. It's more of like a beloved film. Probably his most iconic role. Yeah. It's somewhere in the 80s with the Red Dawn, Pretty in Pink. He's just everywhere. Escape from New York. He's just in everything for like six years. I just feel like his Apex Mountain is like 25 consecutive years of sitting on Jack Nicholson's couch drinking Jim Beam. You know, like that's just, he's just in a perpetual state of the man. What did you think of the Jack Nicholson photos? I think he looks great, honestly. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't have shit to say. I was glad he was alive. Great. Yeah, he. Did, I wouldn't call him oriented. Um, I mean, when would you have ever described him that way? I was worried that. He's I mean, they just didn't alone. say when they took the pictures. Was it like seven thirty in the morning, and he's coming to get his L.A. Times? Yeah, it's n- interesting that he has completely receded from view. Well, he's something. Something probably happened. I mean, he probably has dementia or something's perhaps, going on. perhaps. Um, he didn't look that much different than he did in The Departed, to be honest. He didn't. That's what I said. Physically, he seemed like he was, you He's know. waving that dildo around. Yeah. <laughs> you think that's what he was doing back inside? <laughs> <Yeah. Nice. laughs> Tom Skerritt, Top Gun. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fakoto. Ha- it's got to be Homicide. I would say right? Homicide. I mean, for us, premiered Homicide after the Super Bowl. For us, man. it's Midnight Run, though. He was the one of the stars of Live and Let Die in 1973. But then you look at his IMDb and it led to literally nothing. Yeah, he did some cool movies. He I think that a- movie actually hurt him for a couple years. You think so? Yeah. Because you just become the crazy the villain from that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Ridley Scott, no. Alien movies, no. What's Ridley? Is it Gladiator? <sighs> yeah, I think we did. Th- when we did Gladiator, I think we actually said that. The Troy from Reality Bites answer would be Blade Runner. <laughs> it's an, but it's not though because of what you said yeah right that he's he, it wasn't a financial success how about Apex Mountain for dripping and secreting uh, I think you gotta check out the that Chris's Pornhub tab for the answer to that one <laughs> it's another, that's another put that one in there too, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, cats movie cats I think I think the I Craig Craig was a good shout the cat sitting on Vito Corleone's lap is a pretty okay. iconic one I would say Hawaiian shirts in space Wearing a Hawaiian shirt in space, mm-hmm. you kind of you did have the I think Harry it's Dean a style very influential for a look. Yeah, yeah, the under the hat, the long sleeve thermal under the Hawaiian shirt, trucker hat. But did you consciously do adopt that? No, but it was one of those looks that I was like, "That guy's fucking timeless." Look at this dude. How about stealth Joe Conrad references? Quite a few. Yeah. This in Apocalypse Now. Yep. Joe Just, Conrad, a big guy for you. No, one of your guys? Not one of my guys. You love to go up the river. He has some tough titles in the old uh, in the old archive. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, best racehorse name. I three of the best one. This might be the best category I've ever had for this. I have the Nostromo. Mm-hmm. I have Jonesy, and I have Space Jockey. <laughs> Space Jockey. <laughs> Space is Jockey is an incredible name for a horse. Yes, yeah, that's good. Space Jockey. Picking nits. Not. Nearly, nearly, nearly scared enough about the alien being on John Hurt's uh, astronaut mask. Yeah, I think I would be so much scared, more scared and terrified every time. There's just a complete hierarchical breakdown once they like break quarantine. It's just like, well, who's who's calling the shots here? Who's making decisions? Yeah, it, be- it becomes like succession. Meanwhile, the guy's got an alien on his face. The 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 ver- that very telling sequence where. When things get too serious, Dallas starts, you know, giving more power to Ash yeah. and saying like, "This is a science issue, and we're not. Gonna, I'm not going to make this decision." Whereas, like, that's not really how it should operate in a situation like that. It's like if you're the captain, you're he's the like, captain. "I just work. I work here. Right. That's it. It's not like I'm like I'm not like an admiral. Right. Just this is the rare case where they needed the horror movie motif of the one person in the crew who kind of freaks out about the alien on the face, which should have been Veronica Carter. Right? Yeah. 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 But she. Like, what I, are we gonna do about the alien? That's one of my possibly unanswerable questions. I think Lambert and Kane have a little something going. So that's oh. why she because she she looks at him very affectionately throughout the mm. first part of the movie. Mm. I think she like snuck out of her sleep pod to Just climb into the other pod. Big spoon, little spoon for a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> Another picking it. You're. It still hasn't been explained to me why uh, they brought a cat to outer space. Still looking for the right answer on that one. Why not a dog, I guess? And do you think a dog would have been any more helpful in this situation? Why a pet? You're going to outer space. Who wants a pet? I think like, where's the, the pet shitting? Like the, where's the kitty litter going? It's just I don't get it. These are the big questions. Yeah. I, I think, don't want an animal on my space space mission. I um, love dogs. I have four dogs. Wouldn't want any of them going, not even Murph, my favorite dog. Wouldn't bring them. No Olivia couldn't make it. Olivia would get shot out in that little space. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> 
Um, what else do you have for picking this? I mean, I find Can this movie to be like really tight. So it's hard to like really yeah, pick at it. Too. And when you watch it the first time, you're like, why is he reacting this way? You go back and be like, oh, he's a fucking Android. So a lot of the Ash stuff is like, yeah. hey, my guy, like, why, like, why won't you let them operate? Or why won't you freeze it? Or why won't you do this? And it's like, oh, because you're working for this corporation. I have more unanswerable questions than nitpicks. Same. I mean, Chris, before we even started, was like, well, how do you pick a nit in this movie? And the only one that I could really think of was what we've discussed, which is, if this guy was infected with an alien creature on yeah. his face, you could not get me to sit in the same ship as him. Like, I would, I'm so <laughs> germaphobic. Movie hits that, different post-COVID. Yeah, it's so funny yeah. when... when- Ash and Dallas are operating on him or like looking at like thinking about maybe cutting or whatever. And then they put him inside that little like scanner box. And Ash is like, yeah, you can take your mask off now. It's like, <laughs> I'll fucking keep it on. How yeah. about that? <laughs> right. And then Kevin Durant convinced him to join Brooklyn with him. Oh no, that was Kyrie. Um, sequel, prequel, prestige TV, all black cast are untouchable. We should consider remaking this film <laughs> with the roster of the 2022 Brooklyn Nets, I yeah. think. Just well, put they, them all on the they ship. All, they all died one at a time, But it's basically. Ben Simmons is the last, is Ripley. He's last. <laughs> well, they did a sequel, and a, did they do a prequel too? Yeah, yeah that's prequels. Covenant and Prometheus are prequels. And so now this they're, is definitely not untouchable. And they're making a prestige TV show. All guys. black no, cast, and I would film. watch. The Fede Alvarez making a movie now. Yeah, but Noah Hawley's making a TV show. Prestige. So they, 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 it's almost, what is the EGOT? It's almost an EGOT. Yeah, they got to do a stage play. No, they need an all black cast one. Oh, yeah. Just got to get that done. <laughs> Tyler, yeah. Tyler Perry's alien. It's like a distant sequel to The Color Purple. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's all set on the ship. Is this movie better with Wayne Jenkins, <laughs> <laughs> Danny Trejo, Catherine Odd, Steve Buscemi, Samuel L. Jackson, JT Welsh? Or Philip Baker. So huh? just imagine Wayne Jenkins coming in when Yafet Kodo does when Ash is freaking out. He's like, God damn, Ash! I didn't know you were a humanoid with fucking milk for blood. I'll tell you what, big dog, you're going to cry asleep a long fucking time, man. Get him the fuck out of here. I can't even look at you and you do We got that magazine down her throat for. That's Ripley, man. Let her breathe. <laughs> I think I think Wade would have some thoughts about the cat too. <laughs> yeah. Get the fucking cat out of here. That's great. I swear to God, Ripley, if you go back to that cat one more time, man, I'm gonna let fucking Ash take you. <laughs> uh, that's good. Just one Oscar. Who gets it? Ridley. This movie did win an Oscar. I would give it to Ridley. Yeah. What won the 1979 directing Oscar? Now I have to look. Um, I'm trying to remember. This was. The year, what, Norma Ray is 1979. Oh, Kramer versus Kramer, I think. And I think it's Benton. Um, or who is... I think it's Kramer versus Kramer in 79, speaking of Meryl Streep. And it's an interesting like thing to look at the nominees because most of the movies are these like frightful family dramas or like social dramas. And Alien would have been weird. What, what, what is it? Benton for Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Chris's guy, Bob Fosse, for all that jazz. I mean, Coppola for Apocalypse. Peter Yates for Breaking Away. What a fucking year. And uh, Molinero for La Caja Fall. What's the, there's a, La Caja Fall was not nominated for Best Picture. So what are the Best Picture? Kramer, All That Jazz, Apocalypse, Breaking Away, Norma Ray. And Norma Ray, yeah. 
The Alien wasn't getting nominated for Best Director, but in retrospect, it has to be one of the five if we're redoing the 1980 Oscars. I think it's... Indisputably, yeah. I think it's in there. Or if you were giving Academy Awards to Cats. Is this film in your top 25 movies of all time? It's a great question. I would say it's in like your top 15, isn't it? No, I think it's probably when I get down to it, it's probably top 20, top 25. Mm. Yeah. Not for me. Okay. <laughs> I, I really like it. It's just it's not in the top twenty-five. I gotta make that list. At some I would love point. to see that list. You know, I found a list that I made in like nineteen ninety-two. Mm-hmm. I gotta. I'll take a. I'll take a picture. Do you of ever it do that? Do you ever do the the top twenty-five, top one hundred? I like time? to do it by decades. I have a hard time doing it all time because my opinion changes a lot. I also feel like I haven't seen anything. I feel like I've got like five thousand movies I want to see. This guy, <laughs> Letterbox community. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I had 40 about secreting yeah. 40, I think in 92 I had 48 hours Halloween Midnight 48 Run, hours was the greatest movie and of Godfather all time. were my four favorites your favorites I think there's oh, something yeah. 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 favorite yeah Aliens are my top 25 favorites oh that was what you were That's asking what I, right? I was yeah. thinking I thought you were meant like do no, I think we're I, no, I'm, yeah, it's, it's in your favorites. faves yeah for is sure is it top, top 10 top 15 no it's top 20 it's top 20 it's, a, it's been a big subject of We've talked about it a lot over the years, like not professionally, just like mm-hmm. in bars. Like I don't, it's always felt like a movie that is circling your head. Yeah, especially as I've done more outer space mining, it's just really resonates. Yeah, you've got all that <laughs> ore back to this country. Is it one of your top four science fiction alien movies? Definitely. Is it higher than the Amy Adams movie that you guys both think Arrival? is good? Yeah, I think Alien is is I like I like Arrival. I like Alien more than Arrival. Yes, good. Okay. <laughs> um, probably answerable questions. Why does a commercial towing vehicle need a self destruct mechanism? And what's going on with all the ore, Bill? That's a fucking. Where are awesome they bringing question, it back? Man. Well, they're bringing it back to Earth. They probably gotta. But where are they like? Hey, coming she's, in. She's saying Antarctica Station. Like there, there's obviously like active space business going on. So Antarctica's booming in 2052, wherever we are? It's very possible. Um, I mean, we see in in the thing a couple of years later, right? The idea of like using Antarctica as like a future natural resource and a place to store things. Little did they know it would fall into the ocean by 2052. Not ideal. Really not. They um, didn't really predict climate change. They really change. missed that one and TikTok. We should have had Dallas watching what would be 1979 <laughs> House of Highlights. Is, <laughs> is Dallas sitting there watching fucking Dave DeBusher throw inbounds passes? <laughs> Dallas is like, another good Josiah Johnson tweet. Can I read it to you guys? Um, <laughs> Another probably unanswerable question. The sports would just drive me crazy being asleep in a pod for that long. It would be my oh first my question. God, it would be amazing. I wouldn't want to know <laughs> what is my family okay? I, how did it take you like an hour and a half to get well, to this? Well, no, you know what the fucking craziest thing is when you go on vacation and you get back, you're like, I have to do a three hour solo pod just going through everything that happened. Uh, right. <laughs> the Sox lost three in a row. Right. You know, like. <laughs> I'm coming out of that pod and I'm like, what happened? Who won the yeah. Super Bowl? What? Who is the number one pick of the NBA draft? Is it m- at this stage of your life, are you more interested in the kind of mainstream national news events or what happened with the Celtics, the the Pats, the Sox? Like, where do you go? What do you look for first? My answer at every single stage of my life would have been the sports. The I would mainstream have stuff. The, I would have had five sports questions first, then be like, so any world wars? But 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 any like, assassinations we, that would have been like ten to think minutes of the in. Best, the funniest time for you to have been out for ten months. 
Well, the like, time I would have picked was the any time in the late '90s when all my teams were terrible. But even like it would be amazing if you were like asleep during 2016, and I was like, you missed the best game ever between the Thunder and the Warriors, and now Trump's president. <laughs> 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 the Trump's president thing definitely I would have been like I'm going back in the pod I'll see you guys in a couple months you probably months. could have passed in the last 10 months of New England Patriots yeah but then you would I, have missed I, the, the Celtics and, and an incredible Bruins season that Man. I've been kind of quietly watching and not talking about you would have been you did a pod of it yesterday <laughs> here's one for you CR and it just made me think of with Walter Hill and John Carpenter and yeah. some of the awesome people we had in in the late 70s if you were, if you moved to LA and you were getting a job in a production company or a studio, like kind of like mailroom slash answering phones, being like a hustler, who would you pick out of everybody who was working at that time? Would you want to be in the Coppola thing? Because that, like, Walter I think Hill was, is like in the mix for me. I think the Coppola one would have been a little bit financially unstable. Yeah, that's true. You would have gotten just fired. Like every five days, that guy's liquidating his winery to make a movie. Sean would have been like, I'm working for Robert Altman and he's got this great idea for Popeye and I think it's going to work. <laughs> I mean, the answer probably tough. if you're looking to like make money is to work for Spielberg or Lucas. To work for True. Lucas to make money. But what's the coolest job like for us? It's probably like John Carpenter or Walter Hill, right? Being Paul Schrader's secretions guy. Oh, Paul Schrader. <laughs> Schrader's the darkest one. Most of those guys didn't have production companies, you know, like Scorsese and De Palma and they didn't, they didn't try to expand in the way that some of those other guys They must guys have did. like an office with a couple of people. Oh, sure. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, Scorsese is obviously who I would want to be. I would want to be watching him. I mean, that's like... There's so much cocaine, though. I would argue Scorsese's Scorsese is a bad choice. The story about like It's like, Scorsese Sean, I need you to go downtown and give me a dime bag. I get to say for the rest of my life, I was working for Martin Scorsese when he made Raging Bull. When he okay. made Last Waltz, apparently, he and like Robbie Robertson just stayed up for like an entire summer doing cocaine and watching monster movies. That sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. Does that sound not fun? <laughs> that sounds super fun. That's like when you came up with the idea for the the movie about the making of Jaws, which yeah. somebody will steal at some point. Same thing for Robbie Robertson and Scorsese doing cocaine <laughs> for an entire summer. That's just the movie. It's an amazing movie. It's Richard Shia LaBeouf and Adam Driver just <laughs> fucking going to town. Sold. Scene 40. I'm in. <laughs> We're out of cocaine. <laughs> Best double feature choice with this movie. It's got to be Aliens 2. It's just, like, yeah. I don't know. That, there's no other answer. There's also, like, Aliens just fills in a lot of stuff. I mean, like, so it, we could save it for when we do Aliens eventually as a rewatchable, but Aliens fills in a lot of stuff about Ripley that you didn't yeah. know. The movie I most wanted to watch after I watched this was Prometheus. Yeah. That was the one, because that's the one that really answers a lot of the, and it's really, the it's, questions. It's, and it's him really finally Scott. going back. I, the only other one I would mention is just because in some ways it's... It's like the, if this doesn't happen, then probably none of this happens is the first Carpenter movie, Dark Star, because O'Bannon works on that. And a lot of the stuff that they're like, oh, what if we had like a a space sh a, sh a, sh a ship that looked like shit, that looked like it had been beaten up and was yeah. used and worn, like winds up. Right. That was a comedy. This was their attempt to make a real horror movie. Yeah. Andy Red, Andy and Red Zawane Award, what happened the next day? Well, we know because they made Aliens 2 and 17 other sequels. Yep. She wakes up and she uh, has to talk to Paul Reiser a lot. And she decides to buy normal size underwear. <laughs> She's like, do you have any women's underwear? <laughs> what piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? Definitely Dallas's Nostromo jacket. Like that oh, kind of like cool. that's a good one. Yeah. I was I was gonna that's say the good. flame shooter or the cane mask. Game 
alien worn game mask. Worn game game worn alien worn mask <laughs> would be kind of cool. What about the ash head? If we just had that right here, for ash head would freak me out. I, I actually thought about that and I decided I wouldn't want that. Like, imagine having that in their library. Oh, is that the ash head? Yeah. Like, yeah. Ask him something. I always feel like it's weird when people spend like $380,000 on movie memorabilia and then like build a, a, like a room where they show it off. But, you know, the alien, the xenomorph, that, yeah. that thing is one of the coolest things that has ever been designed and put into a movie. Like that actual original design would be, if I had to have like one really cool movie memorabilia thing, that would be on would my I short list. Into that? I would probably put it in Alice's room. Um, <laughs> just let her sleep with that every night. My choice would have been the Shawshank Bible, and then it was for sale, and it went for like half a million dollars. Yeah. So it was like, oh, I needed a more realistic choice. Uh, wow, half, half a million. A million. It was like four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Has Ben seen Alien? No, he wouldn't have. The, he wouldn't last the first thirty minutes. Too slow. Yeah, you'd need to do TikTok version of Alien, where it's just five minutes. Just shit happens. Uh, Coach Finstock Award, best life lesson. Leave the cat, I think it probably. <laughs> Leave the pet, I think, is always yeah, a, good a good lesson one. for these. Who won the movie? Ridley? It was a case for Sigourney Weaver, right? Yeah. I, I think it's really because it's like... I think it's Ridley, too. It's like but you, Sigourney's a good runner-up. It's the diff, It's If you want to know what the director difference is, it's this. It's like this guy reads the script and he's like, okay, this is what it's going to look like. This is how it's going to be lit. There's going to be smoke everywhere. These people are going to be sweaty. It's going to look like... I'm going to do handheld. He operates the camera. I mean, like, he's he's a five-tool guy here. There's a couple of categories we didn't do that are just funny that I probably should have thrown in. The Mally Rubin Award for Did This Movie Need a Better Sex Scene? The Tom Cruise Award, Most Valiant Attempt to Emulate a Normal Human. I think that would go to Ash. <laughs> <laughs> the Cliff Booth Award for Is This Movie Better If the Main Character Had a Pet? Fucking no. We might have to have a new another category for the Ripley Award for This Character Should Not Have Had a Pet. <laughs> And then the uh, Vincent Chase Award for Are We Sure This Character Was Actually Good at His Job? I'm not sure any of these people are good at their job. I don't think that this bring is the, what their job is. Bring the ore back. Yeah. 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 Bring the ore back. You have one job. Craig, your thoughts? I had seen this movie before and watching it again, I think it's really one of my favorites, like all time. I think oh, it's so good. I go. keep coming back to, same with 2001, A Space Odyssey, just how visually incredible these movies are and how they hold up. Like, I, there's probably not a CGI done in this movie, right? That wasn't even really possible back then. No, not there were hardly even yeah. home computers. They, yeah. do, they do stuff like with mirrors more than they do stuff with like computers. I just yeah. like when miniatures, movies. A lot of miniatures. I like when movies have to work within the confines of some restriction, whether it's like technologically limited or a budget, because I feel like it makes you have to make the production design, the lighting, the acting, the directing. Everything else has to be so perfect, and you can't rely on the crutch of CGI. Mm -hmm. That I think this movie like looks better than Marvel. Like, I don't know if that's a hot take, but like, I really do think watching oh, this movie- far. Without question, yeah. it, it looks better. You're preaching to our choir, Craig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate CGI. It, and a lot of the movies that we've really loved, even going back to like Deliverance when they were doing their own st stunts on the water, like, I'm just always going to like that more. The fact that Cruz, who's obviously a lunatic, but is actually doing his own stunts is fucking cool. I just think practical effects, if done right, are always going to be better than CGI. Okay. Yeah, it's just tough. I mean, it's like I was watching the the new Indiana Jones trailer and there's like a shot of Harrison Ford who's like 80 jumping out of a plane with Phoebe Waller-Bridge and just looks really fake. And it's like, I guess it's cool that they did it. It's like, I'm sure it's going to be a good movie, but it's it just doesn't look right to my eye. The scary thing is that we are now fully 
30 years out from the kind of true dawning of CGI with T2 and Jurassic Park. And so now you have an entire generation of movie fans who are kind of inured to it. You're an exception, I think, more than the rule where it's just sort of like, this is what movies look like yeah, now. And they just look like that Indiana like Jones scene. If would turn this off in five seconds, that means he wouldn't also recognize like how it looks different. There's also yeah. something to I, I also think that knowing that it's practical makes me like the movie more. Like even if it, Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge jumped out of that plane and it looked great and realistic, I would still know that it was fake. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I know that this was real and the buttons on the ship are real and they built the ship makes me like it more. Yeah. there There's a way to do it that make that, and, and have it look good. It's just, it takes like eight years and $200 million to make something that you fe- feels real. You know, like there's one Jurassic Park. There are some examples where the CGI actually like elevates meaningfully, Avatar, not just the filmmaking, yeah. but the emotion that you have for the filmmaking, but it's rare. They needed it for Rocky in the boxing scenes. It's really tough to see those empty seats <laughs> in the spectrum. That's something he could do. Here's here's what it would be like for a 15-year-old watching Alien now. Yo, yo, pause that. Watch an alien. <laughs> a fucking alien just came out of somebody's chest. It's fucking crazy. Dude, how much longer is left in the movie? I got, hold on, I got to do a live stream. Pause that. <laughs> That's my 15-year-old impersonation. Thank you. Oh, and bro, saying bro a lot. Is that that's a brandism right now? Ben's Hella, Hella, okay. Hella's Hella stuff has been around. Forever. He says Hella. Hella's, yeah, he that's says, usually he's a, like Northern California thing. Cali Hella. kid. Yeah. Oh, well, he's like he's like lacrosse practice was hella hella tough. Oh, today. that's why because he's got the the lacrosse. Yeah. He's turning that. I'm he's gonna relax, bro. beat yeah. the shit out of him this week. I think. <laughs> I thought he's he's got like the upper hand on you now. But I, I the first punch has to be when he's not looking. <laughs> I still feel like if I attack first, I could still win. Okay. If it's just straight up, I'll just I rake. Yeah. <laughs> we locked up in the kitchen the other day for fun, and I just quit immediately. I'm like, you're just stronger than me. How did this oh, happen? Oh wow. Yeah. He's 180 now. Yeah. You need to get really dirty. You need like the Mr. Fuji yeah. like <laughs> right. dust in the eye, and the, kicking know? the balls, yeah. all that stuff. All right, for Craig Horlbeck, Corey. Thanks for joining us. We decided we're going to put this on YouTube at some point later in the week after everybody listens to it and you can see our cool little studio that we use for FanDuel TV. We film a lot of fun stuff in there. CR, enjoyable. Fantasy, great. See you next week. Enjoyable. (laughs) 